Bing Bong Podcast Land, Leon here with a few super quick words before we start this episode. I just wanted to say that it may seem as though we ignored quarantine rules to bring you this epically long bonus episode. In fact, we even claim as much, but in actual fact, we recorded it weeks ago, before the quarantine even began, and since then have added an episode and a bit to the can over Skype instead. It is super important that we respect the quarantine as much as we can, so, you know, hang out with your friends across the ether for now, and please don't be inspired by this bonus app to go and high-five them in person, no matter how nice they are. It's a weird time to be on Earth right now, and we want you all to stay safe and well, so that when this COVID-19 business is over, we can all hug it out at a convention somewhere. Okie dokie, that concludes this introductory broadcast. <laughs> Let's get this episode started. Bing bong. This is the one, two, three hundredth! <laughs> <laughs> What ho, dearest podcast land, and welcome to the 300th episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, past. That's right. Or in this case, Doc Present. Doc Present, indeed, Rooney. Doc Recent Past. We have assembled today. Flying in the face of uh, the <laughs> scientists' <laughs> the, advice, yeah, in in the face of quarantine, we're keeping our two meter distance. We're, we're, yeah, it, well, ish. ish. <laughs> uh, yeah, quarantine protocol to bring this bonus episode to you, dearest, dearest podcast land, and I'm sure you'd like to know who are we. Well, we are the four people we usually are. Right in front of me, I have the pleasure of addressing. Hello, it's Marie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I said that really awkwardly. <laughs> you should be. <Okay. laughs> Next to Marie, we have... It's Jim, hello. Whoop, whoop. Hello, Jim. Across from Jim and next to me... The inimitable Drew McWen. Oh, excellent branding, my goodness. What a trap. And next to him, oh, that is me. I am Leon. Hello, hello. And today we are bringing to you the... State of the Hoonian, in brackets, trademark-ish, Drew. Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Extravaganza, where we will be talking about the, the latest season of Doctor Who, possibly even the latest two seasons as a whole, the Chibnall era to date, and all the twists and turns that that entailed. And so much more. There will be a few more announcements. Some very special 300th episode announcements coming your way. So please keep your earballs finely tuned to our <laughs> to our voices. Yeah, one of which is very much like one of our 200th episode announcements, but slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> We've come a long way, Drew. <laughs> well, why don't we start off by saying we've just had season 12. Yeah. We're two years into the, the Chibbers era. Two years into the 13th Doctor era. High level, yay or nay? Based on the entire series rewatch that you guys have done over the last two days, Jim and Marie. Yes. Well done, by the oh, way. Bravi. Bra bravi. <laughs> we, were, we were very far behind, <laughs> but we came through the finish line in style. <laughs> and, and we by, by going back and bracing it we all did again. We the route twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to say high level, yay! Like, I've came here tonight probably buzzing off, like, just watching them all back to back and, and the, like, build up to the finale and the big, all the big twists and turns and everything that happens in the finale. I'm very, very excited to see what happens next. My cartoon yay flag is slightly smaller, but, but still, <laughs> still raised. Yay. Okay, all right. 
I have a similar sized yay to Jim. Well, oh, wow. don't, like, don't like to brag. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where where I was on the day that you guys had a flag measuring competition, but okay. <laughs> Do you feel that your opinion of uh, the, the Chibbers era and of the 13th Doctor has changed from season 11 to season 12? Excuse me, excuse me. Where oh. is, have you, is yours a yay or a nay? A high level yay. I mean, it's a small yay. It's a small than these yay. guys. I mean, I, yeah, assuredly. You know, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it, it's not the size of the flag that matters. <laughs> it's, it's the motion How of the high wind. the flagpole. <laughs> <laughs> Has your opinion changed drastically from the first, from after the first season to after the, this second season? We didn't I, really watch the first series, so it's I very can't remember the first to... series now, but I, I think I preferred this series. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I really, really liked the introduction of the master again, and the oh. it felt like this series had a bigger. It it wasn't a, like a story arc in every episode, but the beginning and the end kind of everything came together. And I f- do feel like that's what the first series was missing in my mind. It was all very just episodic and there wasn't a massive arc. The first season was trying to set up arcs and then failed to return to them, weirdly. The, do you remember there was that time criminal? I can't remember. He was in the Rosa episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it seemed very much like, oh, this is not the last we've seen of him. Oh. And then they just abandoned that plot line entirely. I'm not certain they set it up so definitely as, we will definitely return to see him. I think he was just gone. Like, you know, he's a racist. Just let's leave him in the past. Mm. That's the one line takeaway from that show. We're going to leave these racists as far in the past as we can. And they won't come back, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I should say, I have not prepped for this as well as you guys. I have not rewatched any of these episodes. <laughs> Neither have I. Although I did watch, there was one episode that I hadn't actually seen of season 12, oh, and I did fun. watch it today, or I had seen part of it and then fallen asleep through it. Uh-uh. <laughs> and that was um, Praxius. Ah. Yeah, I'd only seen about a third of that. Mm. Fallen asleep, woken up at some point and just gone, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> <laughs> did you wake up to a lecture and then. Fully intended think? to never watch that episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Can I jump in with an answer to your second question? Yes, I please. think I like series 11 and 12 about the same. I think I would be prepared to give a small yay to series 11 as well. Okay. I don't mind that it's more episodic. Looking back over the episodes, there are the obvious clunkers, the Ghost Monument and Arachnids in the UK. But it's got Demons of the Punjab, which I really liked. Fantastic, and yeah. Rosa just, was good. Yeah, Rosa. The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Yeah, the We were good. ecstatic yeah. after The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Yeah. yeah. There are some really, really good episodes in the... Yeah, yeah it's, it's fairly solid. Yeah. Okay. You've already hit upon the arc. Season 12 has an actual arc. Well, it, it feels Does almost it? like that. Well, there are certainly two. It, it has a bookend. No, and it has a middle point. The there, second, do- the doctor, the like. Um, it still seems exactly. like an yeah. upturned number three rather than an arc. I like the upturned number three. Actually. <laughs> That's quite apt. <laughs> but yeah, it's, but in a way, it's quite nice because sometimes they're like, we're doing an arc. We've got an arc. And every episode, there's a little two minute clip at the end where it's like, oh, look, don't forget that arc we mentioned before. Um, so <laughs> it's quite nice that it wasn't as like shoehorned in. I mean, that's sort of what we're getting with the Capaldi episodes that we're currently reviewing. At the end of every other episode, at least, we yeah. get Missy, yeah. who just shows up and goes, hey, hi, you're but in paradise. But she doesn't actually add anything to the no, that's story true. of each episode. That's true. But we know that it's going to, the culmination gonna is going to be, somewhere. exactly. Yeah. It's the, the equivalent of the Bad Wolf storyline. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. where, where in most episodes in series one, which I am currently re-watching, or watching for the first time, in fact, 
that. <laughs> um, it will just be on a poster. Yeah, it's in everywhere. some background setting yeah. that the scene then takes place away from. So yeah, absolutely irrelevant. Just, just trying just to story. Darren Brown the audience. Yeah, yeah. As they're the things that you probably missed the first time around, but because you were aware of Bad Wolf, then you spot them all the sec- like on the second view. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah. But unlike season eleven, season twelve has at least two attempts at parallel storylines that go beyond the one episode yeah. duration. We have the Ruth storyline, the parallel dimension-ish Doctor, whatever that is. Like, we still don't know what that is, really, or what that's about. And then we have the Timeless Child storyline. I don't line. think she's a parallel dimension. And the Ruth thing is uh, is uh, to do with the Timeless Child. Yeah. See, I need to ask you guys about this, because I don't really know. This is why I do like the way they treat this arc. Even though it's not every single episode, it doesn't need to be, but when it comes up in an episode, it's important. Yeah. And be it the fact that it's the master who's doing something and then it turns out the master's motivation is entirely the whole point of the arc and or it's yeah joe martin popping up as the doctor which you have no idea what the hell that's about but that's entirely to do with the arc but and it all just feeds into it so wait so who is she is she a pre-doctor one a doctor yeah yeah absolutely yeah 100 percent. so basically because yeah and so then gets erased yeah. as in memory wiped and yeah so when yeah when we first w- saw this episode and it opened up all these questions it's like oh my god is this is this a future doctor is it a past doctor how doesn't one of them should remember each other and then she's not mentioned again for the next couple of episodes and i remember being like oh that's a real letdown they're just gonna write her out and that's it you know they'll forget about it but then when it comes back in i think it's really really clever like they it is this whole chapter of the doctor's life where that is just gray that's been erased and she doesn't know how many different iterations there have been there could be a hundred different doctors out there that she's never met so this Ruth character is one of them and our doctor just doesn't remember yeah and a bunch of Morbius doctors as well yeah oh yeah also (laughs) that's true that's interesting I hadn't actually connected those two I don't know how blatant it was and if I just missed something totally obvious or if I'm just dumb but when we were rewatching the last episode I kept asking because there's this flashback between this island character so there's a baby found in ireland yeah and then he grows up to become a police officer yeah yeah serves the country survives a you know certain death he's been shot and he falls off a cliff regenerates it doesn't regenerate no but like reconstitutes but it's just, like tenon's hands yeah no the island scene you've seen none of that no he, he just, just there's no like regeneration energy. no there's no like sparkles yeah. he just survives the fall really miraculously. So inexplicably yeah, yeah. exactly it's like oh i guess i'm fine by the way i'm alive <laughs> yeah yeah but i'm assuming that that's the the regeneration energy very much like Tenon grew a hat. Well, basically, so I kept, I kept being really annoying to Jim, and I was like, Jim, Jim, who's this guy? Jim, Jim, is this a doctor? <laughs> and he's like, just wait, it will come. Um, <laughs> but basically, it's like that. Oh, it's, it's still a little bit grey in my head, but basically, all of the doctor's memories from this period were wiped, and then this memory of Ireland is kind of put over it, so it mirrors the first, the, the like, timeless child oh, first died. Also fell off a cliff. cliff. Yeah. yeah. And she, that's the first generation so the island story mirrors that he falls off a cliff holy moly i did not read yeah. that into it that's super interesting yeah yeah and then the entire thing with the division so we see the lady time lord prepping looking at drew who remember the, the mother's name of oh, t- oh, t- oh it's something t- like tibet we should get this it's t- said so many it is times. Said a lot of times i wish i'd written it down how, that. how can i not uh. remember that <laughs> Wait, to Tukla, something to be, like that. Mm. To be continued. Tuberculosis. <laughs> 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 no. Um, but anyway, <laughs> mother and 
well, Doctor, you know, Timeless Child, are sat there being briefed on this entity secret organization called The Division. Mm. And that's the scene of the Irish lad going for his Garda interview. Yeah. And then the brain wiping scene, we don't see the equivalent of from the Gallifreyan Society, but it's obvious that, you know, that's the real thing that happened. That's hard. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't oh, think it... I did not realize that this... Wait, did everyone... Take tune, by the way. Take tune. Take tune. That's the one. Take yeah. tune. But yeah, the thing about Ruth, because we watched it again and we were like, hang on, Ruth works for... Oh, the Doctor, as Ruth works for the Gallifreyans. Like, everyone knows who they are. Did they have to wipe all the Gallifreyans' memories? Like, why don't people know about this? But then, yeah, you see the scene where there were, it's like a secret service, basically. So nobody knows they exist. So there'll be a very, very small number of people that know that the Doctor exists, but maybe don't know her identity. And so that's why it's it's all kept so sort of secret. So when the Doctor is reintroduced as, here, here you are the Doctor and you're a child and this is your first regeneration, nobody questions it because nobody knew who she was previous to that. Since we've jumped straight into this, can I just do you guys really enjoy this plot twist? Do you guys like the added mystery that's been, or the, like, the new backstory for the Doctor? I love it. I think it's fantastic. Me too. I know there's a, there's been a little bit of backlash, I think, from fans saying it's changing too much of the mythology of the Doctor. And, but I think, like, throughout, he's always been a bit different. Like, the Doctor has never really fit in with the rest of Gallifrey and he's never really adhered to this, like, Time Lord mythology. And so it's now you've been given this explanation as to why he she has behaved so differently over the years. Yeah, but people are objecting to that precisely because... They wanted, or at least some portion of the people on this side, wanted the difference in the Doctor to be a result of all the different experiences he had. Okay, there was some different impulse that led him to leave Gallifrey. But then, because we've seen all these adventures, that's what makes a fairly ordinary guy with perhaps a little spark of uniqueness into this amazing superhero, rather than it being just innate and inherent and predestined somehow. But we don't... We don't... I, I have to say, I'm, I represent that camp here, I really? think. Am I the only one who who feels that way well I, d- I don't think it takes away from that in the slightest because you don't know anything about this child other than the fact they had the ability to regenerate which is then gifted to the entire time lord society so why would the doctor be different the only the only difference is that they put a limitation on the number of regenerations sure which in my in my mind what this is doing is smoothing out all the bumps that we had with previous mythology the whole limitation of you know 12 regenerations which was a bit of a cock-up on the part of the writers in the 70s which they then decided to change in the 2000s yeah it it just kind of gives a bit of in-show mythology to correct all that in a nice way rather than just time lords pumping regeneration energy through a weird portal to matt smith i think you could have given more substance to the amount of regenerations and even the backstory of the regenerations themselves by focusing in on the sisterhood of khan whom we have had exploring the the chemical nature of the regeneration they are the ones they have we even see that in the 50th anniversary with paul mcgann yeah but we had that in classic who as well they had the water of life or whatever they call it like there's a liquid there's some potion quote-unquote naturally occurring substance that grants regenerations Mm. do that have them then synthesize it or inject it into, like you splice it into their genome or whatever. Problem solved. What bugs me is that we didn't need this protagonist, this doctor, to be the chosen one. I loved the doctor as or, a character or, before. If not the chosen one, the special one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. 
But I, I, don't, I don't see it as that she is now the chosen one or the special one. I see it as someone taken who doesn't, you know, know where her family or her heritage is. And it's basically been experimented on. So there's a scene where Tech Taeyun is trying to work out the regeneration energy. And we go through multiple versions of a child doctor. And it's like, how many, how many deaths would she have had in that time? Like, they're all children. You know, it's it's is the it ex-child being... origins doctor story. Sorry? It's the ex-child origins. Does this work? <laughs> it's supposed to be like Wolverine. Oh. <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. But, but, like, but she's basically... Uh, well, I don't know if the implication is that they're inducing death basically to yeah, but, try and work yeah, but it out. That's, that doesn't make it any less special. But it doesn't it, mean that she's special. It means that she's had a traumatic childhood and it explains why she would even subconsciously want to run away from Gallifrey. Yeah, but... I- I, this is the, to me. This is just the Star Wars syndrome. Like Star Wars as a franchise refuses to focus in on anyone just being normal. Everyone has to be related to everyone else, and everyone has to be chosen, or everyone has to be special. Mm. And it's really nice to just have. <laughs> we've we've had fifty seven years with this character without that character having been the sort of messiah of its species, and now we find out a may not even be the same species. Yeah. Like we we've been followed following a time lord. Actually, nope. Well, uh, gonna... We've been following a Gallifreyan. Nope, absolutely not. Uh, we've been following these Gallifreyans who are people on some other planet. Uh, actually, no, let's rewrite it. And I feel like everything is leading up to them being the descendants of future humans who traveled back in time through a portal to Gallifrey. Like, I feel like that's what it's working up to. I, no. I would hate that. Were that to be, yeah, the case. I feel was, like that's that would be. A, I feel like that's cool. definitely what it's doing. All these humans have been going through the portal to a planet that never showed Gallifrey, but clearly it was taking them to Gallifrey. And I don't think that's what they were trying to do. They said it took you to a different point in the galaxy every time. This is really, the, yeah. He said, "Oh, what was the guy, the old guy called?" Who cares? Guy. Jim from Dairy Girls. Yes. He said, this is the first time I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. I I think this is the first time they've gone to Gallifrey and it's because the master has somehow managed to tweak it because he like jumps through as soon as the gate opens. Okay, fine. So maybe that's not what's happening there. But regardless, the doctor is not of that species. He's not Gallifreyan. Oh, he's Gallifreyan in that he got a Gallifreyan passport at the end of it. But But why does he have to be the saviour of his species? I love this character without someone having added something to it. This is the retconning of... Pelham 49? No. <laughs> Star Wars Episode Eight, which tried to do a different thing. It's like, oh, fuck it. No, you're just a person who's interesting. And then, no, no, we can't have that. Episode 9, you're, you're Palpatine's granddaughter. Of all the people in the entire <laughs> universe, the audience cannot, feels it can only relate to this character if the character is somehow genetically tied into the family lines. Not necessarily the case. And the same thing is being replicated here. After 57 years, all of a sudden this person has to be the, the, the one who started it all. No, fuck it. Just a dude. Slash dudette. Sorry, now I just had a rant there. That's fine. People are ranting one way or the other. Some people are saying this is the absolute worst thing they could have done. Other people are being like, this rejuvenates and refreshes everything and I'm so looking forward to it again, whereas it had been so stagnant before. So this does split the fan base down the middle. I I love that it's added... It's certainly more interesting. Like it's added some some mystery to it. It's added something unknown to it. I am really interested to see if they can make it go somewhere good. That isn't the terrible scenario you outline. (laughs) What I am most interested in is just staying away from Gallifrey. I have been a little bit more and more annoyed with Gallifrey was this myth. It was just out there. It was interesting and exciting because it was out there. 
uh, from a new who point of view well, yeah we, we've come across it a lot now in classic um and it's always been disappointing like you just learn more and more that time lords are dicks like they're and the, the whole bubble universe thing and then they find it again and it's just like it's just boring it's become a bit of a joke i feel and so now we can just put that to bed. It's like, okay, she's going to search for something else. She's going to f- search for wherever that portal was. Well, are there Planet also, MacGuffin. Are yeah. there also no Gallifreyans left at this point? Have they all been cybered? It would seem so. Yeah. Going back to this new mythology that's come in, it does also sort of clarify in my head, there's always been Time Lords and Gallifreyans, and I've never really been sure if what the difference is. And, and you mean how... Time Lords and Shabogans? Yeah, but exactly. But now you understand, they've made it really clear that there is a hierarchy and there are people that have been given this gene splicing and are Time Lords and there are the rest of the people that populate the planet. Um, we've had Shobogans in Classic Who. We had them recently. Uh, yeah. The people who lived outside of the Citadel. But again, I think it does it does sort of help explain. I, I mean, it could have been explained in a different way. Definitely didn't have to have the Doctor giving DNA from a different <laughs> universe, you know. But yeah. But the fact that, yeah, Time Lords are there in Citadel, have regeneration, the ones on the planet don't. Like, yeah. that, that just isn't clearer in any point of who, I don't think, up until just now. That's true. It's, it's certainly clarified the politics. I mean, okay, well, we don't know what happens between the invasion of time with Tom Baker and now. <laughs> it may be that we get more explanations of what Shobagan are and what Time Lords are. Yeah, possibly. No um, just a question about the uh, Shobagan. You said they're like homebred Gallifreyans. Yeah. Do they have the two hearts? And the, like, how genetically similar are they? Yeah, they're like the same. Well, in the one that we reviewed quite recently, they're basically people who disagreed with the politics and the way of life inside the Citadel. And they just live in this sort of mad max landscape outside in the i mean it's a desert world right so they just live there because that's the thing is that the doctor has been scanned like umpteen times and has been identified as time lord and has the two hearts and has all the traits of a time lord and so if it's not like that's a super good point yeah Yeah. so you're saying oh she you know she comes from a different galaxy a different universe whatever but why couldn't there be a similar planet over there that have that technology and i don't or do the time lords have two hearts because of him did is that yeah well that was the question is is that as this gene splicing completely changed the makeup of their like physical Physiolo- bodies as yeah. well or was that oh that's very interesting oh but jim had a theory do you remember i have no idea what you're talking about you're gonna have to give me more than that <laughs> I just tell you Jim's story. well just that about this timeless child we don't know about where she got her sort of powers from is there a planet through the void somewhere where everybody's a time lord and everybody can travel and regenerate or is it the sort of traveling through the void that sort of gave her powers and is she unique Oh, she was bitten by a radioactive void. Exactly. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because the thing to do with this is, because we were wondering if this brings any holes with previous lore and River being born to human parents, but being conceived in the vortex. Oh, yeah. Develops. With a time head. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. She's not a Time Lord, yet she has the regeneration ability of a Time Lord. Yeah. So does that imply Is that's where the power the, comes from? The travel through time and space. And so once the Gallifreyans had conquered this, then they be- they get the regeneration power. Like, I don't know. There's just a lot of questions that it throws up. That it'd be interesting to see how it's well, tackled. Well, we've had Time Lords being invented by... Can you remember what the names of these two guys are? Like the two first Time Lords, basically. One is Omega and the other one... Oh, Rassilon. Rassilon. 
Oh, who have appeared in New Who as well. Well, Rassilon certainly has. Yeah. yeah. Like, who, they go out, they find the Eye of Harmony or possibly the technology behind it. They bring that to Gallifrey. That creates regenerations mm. and that creates or enables them to travel through time. The thing is, it's not changing that much, to so, be honest. Yeah, does that, con- does that contradict what you've seen? Well, I feel like it does a little bit. I mean, it no longer is it their scientific work and discovery of the Eye of Harmony that then leads to regenerations and to Time Lords. It's that some Shobagan found the Doctor when you got this cool ability because you keep falling off cliffs. Uh, Rad, I'm not going <laughs> to splice you into my, my people and, you know... My lemming people who desperately need a second <laughs> chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that does change something. Mm. It definitely takes something away from Rassilon and Omega. Mm. Yeah, they weren't mentioned in that whole pricey, were they? No. Yeah, and it, we have... The Founding in- Fathers are, are mentioned by the Master. Okay. It, it, that's He's saying, like, that bit is a lie. Oh, so oh. that's the myth that the Gallifreyans yeah. were told. Yeah, they all believe that is yeah. their origin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, so so that's basically saying the last 50 years of this TV show lies. Yeah. All of it. Including a few serials that simply will not make any sense anymore. Hmm. We had the uh, Deadly Assassin, where the Master ne- desperately needs more regenerations, and the only way to do that is to use Rassilon's secret tech and... Like shower in the energy from the the eye of but why 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 does, I don't think it does because all we've said is that maybe something precedes that like they obviously develop a technology to put this into their race it can't be I don't think you can leave it entirely up to genetics at that point because they're saying everyone in the citadel has this ability what if someone comes in from outside the citadel you know or someone it it doesn't work for genetically as they I, d- I don't know if they would keep the ability to put this regeneration into anyone. Hmm. And the t- and the twelve regenerations is just an arbitrary thing that's been imposed yeah. and it, for it, some it, reason. I don't understand why he would do that. Yeah, and the, and the bigger implication is that there is a massive conspiracy. Yeah, and so who knows what's going on? There's a lot of technology around. There's a lot of people covering things up. That's what I kind of like about this. It just makes it really interesting. They could take it in different ways. I'm a bit worried about ways they might take it, but you know, <laughs> yeah, this could be an exciting series thirteen. You know, yeah. Oh, I have no doubt that that's going to be the case. The question of the 12 regenerations, I do think it takes away some of the peril of the Doctor having potentially a finite number and I need to go to extreme lengths to preserve my lives. Even though I'm a lot less vulnerable and fallible than you guys, there's still a limit. Now there's no limit. And we know that the Doctor isn't going to get shot mid-regeneration and be dead forever because then there's no show. So now it's just basically saying, well, when are we going to get a new actor? But A, we basically always knew that because they're not going to kill off the show. So there's always, even though we've come up to 12 and we're like, oh my God, it's uh, how are they going to get way around that you always know that they're gonna work their way around it but b she's come from another place they have no idea what her background is you don't know that her lives are infinite i thought they basically said that in the last episode well she kind of they kind of implied it because they said they don't know how many she could have had you know 100 lives before and they don't know but yeah, i mean i guess you can't count to infinity know. yeah they don't know she's a completely unique thing that's come through this void plus we, no we've idea. had it mentioned definitely with matt smith's doctor that if you're shot during a regeneration you die you know it's it's not immortality yeah like <laughs> we we've seen immortal beings during this series we've come across them previously i think think in that immortal beings thing they referenced the celestial toy maker actually and we've just had the guardians in yeah. tom baker's classics you know there are there are immortal beings out there and the time lords aren't them the doctor is not one of them either it's 
implied, I think. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of an abstract quibble. Oh, the difference between 12 and infinity within the confines of a TV show. Yeah. I just <laughs> I just think the number of times you've been like, oh, Doctor, don't die. I just feel like it's a bit less involving now. But that- I think isn't the more of the thing is that you grow to love this particular Doctor and you don't want this particular Doctor to die because you know that there'll be another actor takes over. Like we don't, I don't feel like we ever know, think that the Doctor's going to die and that's going to be it. They're just going to cancel the TV show. I'm just worried that this is my favourite Doctor form. and I love I love this Doctor and I don't want that Doctor to go because you don't know what's going to come next. And that's the, that's the worry as a viewer. Yeah, I guess my response to that would be that you know the Doctor's going to leave because they're going to be sick of playing the Doctor. Yeah. And these Doctors all have a finite portion of their careers devoted to being the Doctor. We know why the Doctors all really leave, apart from Christopher Eccleston, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And so to say that it was something to do with them losing one of their precious few lives, it it sort of masks the fact that this actor just wanted to move on to Pastures New Hmm. a bit. Do you think it made, as an actor, did you feel a bigger responsibility that there are only 12 so i don't uh, excepting christopher eccleston you don't want to just do one series and then pass it on you want to do a longer run because then you'll expand the show I don't know, maybe, maybe i feel like i would feel a big responsibility if you were the like final doctor and you knew there were no more regenerations you'd be like shit guys i'm doing this until i'm 60 <laughs> Unless I, I, Matt yeah. I think you'd assume that the the writing team would find a wibbly wobbly yeah. way around it just like with matt smith yeah yeah i don't think matt smith ever thought oh crap if I leave this franchise because I don't want to be typecast for the rest of my life, I'm killing off 55 years of Doctor Who. Yeah, it's me or or nothing. 50 years, sorry. I do wonder if that was a consideration when he was taking the role. It was like, you are going to write out of this. So what what happened when the Time Lords, when Gallifrey fired energy through the crack at him? They were just playing the game. They were just faking it. That was just PMA, positive mental attitude. They knew he had as many generations as he needed. But I thought you said that Gallifrey, like everyone there, assumed that he was just like everyone else. Yeah, so this is the thing. Uh There's this big conspiracy and it's all covered up. So who actually knows... The master is found out by digging, but who else knows this, about this? This is where the I division. <laughs> this is where I think it's going to unravel and actually be a bit annoying because it's not just the division. We know it's a, a squad of Jadoon. Is Tekteun still alive? I hate that there's a division, by the way. What's wrong with the division? Every freaking franchise, every <laughs> show has a secret order or a secret police go- uh, thing. The last couple of Star Trek uh, shows have the, had the exact same thing. Division yeah, 9 true. and now the Romulan bullshit. Didn't I read, though, that the division is a sort of parallel to a classically existing division-like entity called the Celestial Intervention Agency or something like there that? There is a CIA in... Uh, yeah, it, it, you're right, actually. Yeah, there's a... It, yeah. CIA, Celestial Intervention. Oh, we've even reviewed this. What is that? That rings a bell and I can't think yeah, of how it what was. what is that? So Chibnall isn't striking any new ground for being derivative. Oh, oh, I have a fact as well, I think, um, that I read. I don't know if it's true. I hope it's true. That this actually isn't a new storyline. That this was supposed to have been a story in the Seventh Doctor's time and just got canned <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> 
so yeah, it's not like Chibbers is just coming in and changing up things and mixing up everything. It's a bit Cartmel Master Planny. Is yeah. that what you're saying? <gasps> CIA appeared in Deadly Assassin, by the way. Ah, uh, yes, that would make sense, I suppose. Deadly Assassin, which is referenced when it, when we're in the uh, in the Matrix. The he Matrix. Goes into the Matrix. Yeah. What, what's the room there next to the something with P? Oh, the Panopticon. He goes to the yeah, which is where they. That's where the president was killed. I think it was in the Panopticon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Matrix. We've had actually the, the finale is replete with references to Classic Who, which yeah. is a wonderful it is thing. Yeah. The Matrix, so you've mentioned Star Wars already. The Matrix yeah. felt quite Star Warsy to me in the in the like new ones with the like Ray and Kylo Ren oh, okay. coming together in their own little void. And also the Doctor at some point goes, she's come out of the Matrix, she's like, I'm gonna find the master and she does a little Jedi mind trick and she just finds him. And that's never been I don't think I've seen that in show. I don't what? know if that's coming in the classic. Yeah, oh yeah. And literally in the earlier in that episode, or it might have, I can't remember if it was the first part or second part, but in that two parter, she's desperately trying to find the master who's gone missing and she's using the TARDIS and she's put all the scanners on and she can't find him and now she can just blink and like why jedi mind why yeah i don't know do we need that no i don't don't feel like we need that no maybe that's because they're temporally a lot more adjacent rather than she's scanning the entire universe with her head she knows he's within this complex yeah instead of all of space and time did we not also have like straight up vulcan mind melds hand configuration on the face yeah Yeah. wrong no that's the wrong (laughs) universe (laughs) wrong franchise i know you wrote a a test script for star trek but you know you have to change the right things (laughs) (laughs) and this is coming from a guy who himself has added to the star trek canon oh it's certainly canonical absolutely (laughs) yeah yeah there there are some weird things that they've just seen to hand wave in Mm. i actually wouldn't mind the she can suddenly locate the master thing if they just said this is post reveal that the doctor's dna effectively is in every single time lord and then there's some genetic and now thing. she knows that yeah. she has something yeah. that she can oh, yeah. use she's yeah. like the hub yeah exactly if, if they have some kind of genetic telepathy thing or whatever you know it's it's mostly bollocks but if you put a line in to say that's what it is yeah fair enough not that just all of us not all of a sudden hmm i sense the master <laughs> no that was a bit of How did you feel about the master, by the way? Love the it. new master. We talked about the new master in, in our, what's it called? Spy... Spyfall. Spyfall, Spyfall yeah. thank you. Review a little bit as well. I think it's really, really interesting to watch especially the first episode back when he's not the master he's this he's oh he's very oh yeah oh i remember oh Oh, really i remember (laughs) loving him and thinking he was such a great character and then he flipped and he turned into the master and i was like oh my god i did not see that coming and then when you watch it back again he's like he's too nice he's too like everything about him is really sickly sweet and i'm sat there Mm. going why did i think he was a good character like he's obviously sinister and evil yeah he's so oleaginous (laughs) yeah he's so odious But I think he plays a fantastic role. I do. I really like him as a master, I think. I think in our Spyfall review, we juxtaposed him and John Sim. Yeah. Uh, and that master, I mean. Who kind we of weren't maniacal. happy with when he first came along. Exactly. Yeah. Do you still feel the same? I, I mean, I, I think they're pretty... Like, they're certainly similar-ish masters. I don't know. I, I don't remember John Sim favorably. Nor I. And I really like guy whose name I've forgotten. <laughs> Such a do one. That's yeah, the one. there he is. <laughs> No, I, I think he holds a lot more appeal when he's, I don't know, being scheming and being angry. There are moments where he's just like furious in, in the doctor's face and it's, or is it in her, her hand? Or I don't know. Like he's, he's 
very close to camera and you can almost imagine him spitting in, you know, just venomous fury. And it's just, yeah, that's amazing. I think they work, they balance each other quite well, and the, especially in the final episode. And he's basically taunting her and giving her all this, like, drip feeding of this information. And she's just desperate to know, what are you hiding from me? And she, like, is so furious with him and she actually physically launches herself at him. And I think that's really interesting. Like, I'm just trying to imagine it like, like a man doing that, like Matt Smith or Capaldi or anything, do, like being that physical with him. But I don't know. But it, I think it worked with Jodie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Leon, I think I know your thoughts on this. Well, I was actually going to ask you because I know that you are as obsessed with the master being played by Derek Jacobi oh, <laughs> as I am with the idea of the master forever being Roger Delgado. Yeah. And An outsized theatrical presence. Yeah. I mean, those two very similar-ish. Mm. Or could... I can see how they would be quite similar-ish masters. The... Actually, I wonder if it is an age thing. John Sim also similarly very young master. Maybe that's it. More playful. Is it something like that? Did everyone else hear the line in? I think it was in the first episode where Ryan is referencing the master and says that old guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> he describes Whoa. him as that old what? guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Joe's out there like, uh, what? <laughs> it's about our age. <laughs> Screw you, Ryan. Yeah. Screw you, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how old is Ryan supposed to be? God, like oh, 20, They're meant to be stupidly young, know. actually. The actor's but, probably like 52. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's a really <laughs> sneaky no. clue. Like, Ryan can see, actually, that guy's hundreds of years old. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, his mental age. Is <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's something about him wise. centuries <laughs> yeah. old. That wise man. Ryan is so wise. <laughs> no, <that>. oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only one of ryan's lines i can remember by the way the camera really zooms in i feel like on sasha de one maybe i can't remember how it treated john sim really but when he's fizzing and spitting it's always really up close whereas what i want is someone who you see from far away as if perhaps on a theater stage just commanding the whole vast giant space around him being like i am the master and everyone is silent and spellbound and enthralled by him but instead we're, we're put up really close to him and he's really really angry and it seems really small somehow and i don't like it i think you know i think you're right because i think there was i can't remember who he introduced himself to but definitely the um lone cyberman and i think it happened another time as well and he was like call me master and it just didn't it didn't feel very commanding i felt like if i was the lone cyberman who is really fucking scary and and powerful and big and strong and everything i think i would be like no fuck you i'm not calling you my master he doesn't command that respect immediately yeah and i don't mm. know if that is about the physicality i'm I, i'm with you on this as well I, something that i think he does very well though is psychopathic oh yeah like in in the um which one is it is it spyfall it is spyfall one of the spyfall episodes part two whatever where he's he's got his miniaturization device yeah. that thing he's traveled back in time he's with ada lovelace and that, oh, that, yeah, that yeah. whole bit yeah. and he's just like killing people yeah. mi- turning them into little tin soldier type characters so gleefully he does absolutely psychopathic serial killer super well but he has no gravitas to anything that he does which is unfortunate you don't want him to just be a psycho you want him to be an evil genius you want him to be the psycho par excellence exactly he should be sitting at the head of the table of the like league of bad guys (laughs) in a skull shaped castle somewhere not be the person that they send out on thunder planet exactly not be the 
person that they sent out to, to kill people. And it, he comes across more like a, a crazed hitman or henchman or something than the person in charge. Yeah. Um, by the way, my dad always thought Darren Brown should have played the master. Darren Brown could have done it. I think he would have been good. <laughs> He could just be himself. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just mind but control evil. everybody. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> massively off. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what are you saying? What do you mean off? <laughs> I just mean someone who. How dare you? Darren Brown is an, um, he's a national treasure. He is a national treasure. <laughs> But you know that... But he it, could manipulate you to do anything exactly. never, he wanted without even without your knowledge. Exactly. When you Darren think Brown, you've got your own... You're in control of your own decisions and then suddenly you've said everything Darren Brown wants you to for the last hour. Yeah, so every time you're thinking, ah, oh, I think I know what Darren Brown's up to, you could never rest easy yeah. because you know that he's got another layer exactly. of sneaky trickery going on underneath. Yeah. It would keep you off balance the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking what Darren Brown wants me to think oh, that's what he wants me to think <laughs> you go home you're like oh, that Darren Brown wasn't particularly impressive yeah, I showed him when I transferred all of my savings to his bank account didn't see that coming <laughs> did he what a loser <laughs> I maybe just out on a limb then, because I don't have a particular view of what the master should be. Perhaps like John Sim, I I don't know. I thought it was always just a caricature, and I don't think he was particularly commanding of situations. We I mean we had him being lightning man and eating oh yeah eating hamburgers oh. and you know weird shit going on. Time like, golem, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like. If that's the master, then I prefer this Sasha Duan character, how, definitely. How you do know. you feel it compared to Missy? Oh, good question. I think Missy had maybe more of that kind of from the shadows, just playing playing a game kind of thing, which I guess that fits. But I feel like this master, yeah, is a bit more hands-on, but his actions have shown a level beyond what previous masters have done. He's fucking wiped out Gallifrey. Yeah. And this is a master who has a motivation that none of the others have had. He's had a revelation that has just fucked him up he's mm. just like angry beyond belief and he's managed to contain that to the point of trapping the doctor at the start but then just yeah just i feel like he his motivation and his behavior is just slightly unhinged like he's not capable of fully planning stuff through like keeps trying to kill the doctor and failing and but then just popping up again is just like ah but i've got another plan now <laughs> now i'm gonna make cyber masters fuck you doctor <laughs> um cyber lords why not cyber lords <laughs> such a better name so much better because he wants them named after him obviously cyber lord sounds no it's cyber masters sounds really naff (laughs) yeah cyber master is the upgrade from alexa it's like the battery operated (laughs) master action figure we get a cyber master today (laughs) with Uh. moving arm And a string up his bum. <laughs> you pull the string goes, Naya, call me master. <laughs> Should we talk about Cybermen and stuff in general? Because that's a big part of the series. Let's do it. Let's do it, Cybermen. So despite the name, do we did we like Cybermasters being a thing in general? Well, the Cybermasters were instantly defeated in crap. I thought Chibnall's mission statement with this series was to make the Cybermen scary again. And we've had loads of crap Cybermen episodes in series five, six, seven, eight of New Who. Yep. So I think the bigger question is, Marie, you, you thought the lone Cyberman was pretty fucking awful? I thought the main Cyberman was really, really cool. I liked him. I liked, you know what, I in particular liked Mary Shelley and him 
him and their one-to-one and she stood up to him and tried to appeal to his human side and said you know you saved my son are you a father if you 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 were loved you have loved trying to get to his human side and then he just completely like well he lets he lets her think yeah that she's he, doing it he plays her he lets her think she gets so far and then he just like fucks them all up and um i think he was really really cool I'm not 100% convinced that the cyber masters have been eradicated. I really oh. hope not. I don't know. It's just like... Wait, this, how were they eradicated? Well, because this this, this whole... Um, oh, with the, the bomb death, thingy. What do they call it? The death particle. Yeah. yeah. Which is going to... I wrote it down. It's going to take out all organic life. But what does that mean? Like, what does take out mean? Because they... C- like, can they not regenerate? What does... Like, I don't... I don't know. Because I think it is a massive, massive build-up for them just to be gone in one episode. It would be really cool to see them, like, actually wage a war and be an army and take over planets and, and be a, an, a real threat because if his plan was to make them a threat then he's failed because they've been wiped out in, from one bomb. Maybe this was just left in the back pocket so that if the audience reception to the Cybermasters were positive then Chibbers would go, great more of those please, we'll bring them in and then the next season is going to be all about trying to stop that invasion or what have you whilst figuring out the rest of the Doctor's new backstory yeah. but if the reception is not very good, Death Particle worked like a charm. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then I fully vote for bringing them back and waging a war with cool. the Cyber Masters. So you love them? Um, no. Uh, well, <laughs> I like them in theory. Okay. They're very ineffective. There was quite a lot of scenes, not with the Cyber Masters specifically, but with Cyber Men running down corridors, shooting point blank range at mm. humans unshielded with no armor, no weapons, no anything, and just missing. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Actually, turn to you, Marie, while we watch that, and say this scene doesn't exist. Yeah. He actually closed his eyes. He's like, I'm not watching this again. Like, it, is this how, on the spaceship on the yeah. cruiser? How can you take them seriously as a threat when they can't even shoot the how bare do you, humans? How do you feel about the the new flying Cyberman heads that shoot lasers <laughs> out of their eyes? I'm not. I'm not convinced. I didn't really <laughs> like that. No. Why isn't every Cyberman that? Yeah. Like, exactly. Well, yeah, just have that why do for they need everyone. Bodies? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And why don't the others shoot lasers from their eyeballs? Yeah. <laughs> because without the bodies you can't have the really super speedy cybermen that operate once and never again <laughs> <laughs> True. yeah I, I think in general i appreciate what they were trying to do with the cybermen that i think the lone cyberman is amazing it's a very cool idea I, isn't it? i've looked up the actor patrick o'kane i think he's wonderful the performance he gives and the obviously the effect they apply to his voice in a lot of scenes if not all scenes yeah that is a very commanding scary character like you're, you're absolutely right with the, the master standing up to him it does look a bit pathetic because he's so fucking badass yeah. <laughs> um but yeah and and obviously he's a recurring character character through the series and i kind of would have actually really enjoyed if it literally is just a lone cyberman and his whole shtick is frankensteining his way forever you know and it's just he's just killing humans to repair himself whatever just to go back to the cyber masters ignoring the fact that they might have all been wiped out forever do they have infinite regenerations oh or do they have 12 as well and then they're kaput Oh, that's interesting. interesting. I'm assuming they would have only 12 regenerations because they've taken over the bodies of the Time Lords who only had 12 regenerations, right? And following on from that question, if they did have infinite regenerations, which I know that's not what you've just said, but does... (laughs) (laughs) But run with me. Does the... Has the Master, now that he's realised that the cap 
is a like artificial cap that was put in place by the Gallifreyans. Has he managed to manipulate his way out and does he now have infinite regenerations as well? Well, the master's always been an anomaly. So how many was, has he had? I think we read somewhere that he was the 10th master, wasn't he? Yeah, but we have at least on one occasion encountered the master stealing more regenerations for himself. Mm. Uh, yeah, and Delgado or, or some classic master was up to 12 already. So it's, it's the 10th master we've seen, but he's on regeneration goodness knows what. Okay, so they've never limited him. Yeah, not very well. I mean, they limited him, but he found ways around it. Yeah. Just like up until now, Matt Smith found a way around it ish in that someone else found it for him the time lords shot sparkles through a crack yeah hey all. Hey all. but <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to think that he doesn't also have infinite regenerations now why not reiterating drew's point from before it takes away the peril it, it reduces the risk and thus makes it less of a gamble for him couldn't the master at that point just plow his way through the universe not plow that way you know, <laughs> I mean, he definitely could <laughs> couldn't the master just wreak havoc across the universe with complete and utter disregard for his own safety because if anything happens boom new regeneration no problem yeah. but i, I yeah, feel like that is all that's all covered in the show though like we've seen how much tenon didn't want to go you know yeah. the, each of these lives the regeneration is like dying they they don't see it as a flippant oh it's all right i'll just get up again like it they are not the cyber masters they're not a shellless being they're a, a thing with personality that changes every time yeah. and i i think both the doctor and the master are definitely egotistical enough not to want that version of them to end yes yes good point jim mm. What's that, Jim? <laughs> they, well, they talk. They mentioned that this series as well, with the Ruth Doctor mentions. Again, I think it's in this episode, and they're in the Matrix, and she's talking to us, so she's probably a figment of our Doctor's re- imagination. And she says, "Like, has who you were in the past ever impacted, like, or restricted who you are now?" And the answer is no. Like, you are your own person. It doesn't matter who you were before influences and informs your being now but it is a di- it is a new regeneration and they have new quirks and personality traits yeah it's more from a knowledge and experience it's yeah. not a changing who you are yeah yeah one question about the master that this series absolutely did not answer is missy and john sim were dying at the same time and yet somehow oh yeah we've got Sasha. yeah yeah no clue no i'd like to go back and watch that again and see how like concrete it was that that well, but I- it felt like that that was the end yeah moffat gave you absolutely zero hint of which one of them was going to survive it or how they might yeah. Did we not theorize? I'd like to up. listen back to our review of that because surely we must have theorized. But the master is one of these characters that how can you possibly right. write them out completely without giving any possibility, even the slightest chance at yeah. a getaway? Which is why I think that this time around, this particle, bomb, death particle, death particle, cannot be the end because if this, if all the Cybermen are dead, then the master is dead, and that. But is it all the Cybermen, or is it just the Cybermasters? The Cybermasters, yeah. Well, all the Cybermen on that planet will be dead, but the Cybermasters and the Master, I think, will regenerate. I'm happy for the Cybermasters to go. (gasps) Yeah, and be replaced by the Cyberlords. Yeah. (laughs) Or just a regular Cyberman. (laughs) I don't know. Did you not like their their little helmet thing? I mean, they were very pretty. They were very, (laughs) very nice. Gorgeous. (laughs) Gorgeous. No, I... 
I was looking forward to a scene where we had Cybermen walking out in unison with basically not even firing, just being what we're, we're saying that we're worried the Doctor might turn into a bit flippant with life. Like they would just be marching around, getting shot, they'd fall down, they'd come back up again. Yeah. You know, just yeah. a real unstoppable force moment. Yeah. I would, I'd love to see that. Yeah. that If, they've, if they have rocked. got rid of them and they never do that, then they have missed a trick. Wouldn't that, that look how, quite... Oh, sorry. That's But that's how they should have been seen. Like just this rolling, like ever unstoppable force well, that keeps coming at you. Also, this series didn't solve the age-old problem, which I've seen described online, of one Dalek as in Dalek, or yeah. one Cyberman, the lone Cyberman. Oh my goodness, this being has the potential to screw up the entire universe. Armies of Daleks, platoons of Cybermen, completely useless. Yeah. We did get the Dalek uh, restoration in, in uh, what's it called, resolution. We had the Dalek reimagined much, much scarier than before. It was a more conceivable threat than Daleks had been before. Was the same treatment lent to the Cybermen in this one? Are they more are, are they more of a threat now than they've appeared to be in the past? They were just angrier. Or this one was. Yeah. They're just I a bit miffed. I think the Siberium, which I still couldn't work out. It seemed that the Master had heard of the Siberian, the Doctor hadn't heard of the Siberian. I feel like we've heard of the Siberian I, before. I was convinced that I'd heard of it before, and then the Doctor said that she hadn't heard of it, and I was like, oh, maybe it's just one of those, it feels like a thing that should have always been there, and therefore I've I'd, like... We've had an AI my... element to... Is that the Siberiad? Oh, uh, I think you're uh, right. Uh, yes. So what's the difference? Yeah. <laughs> this the Siberiad wasn't a shimmery liquid metal thing that could float. Nope, definitely. So Siberiad <laughs> we saw in Nightmare and Silver. Oh, right. Mr. Clever. Yeah. Uh... And also in Ascension of the Cybermen. What is... Wait, what's the... Cy- what is the Siberiad? Which one is which? Oh, that's the shared consciousness of the Cybermen. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, which I mean, isn't, but isn't that basically the Siberian? Siberian seems to be its own AI. It, it seems like it... It is a shared database. Like all the, yeah, si- all the Cybermen it, can access Maybe it's it. the, the Siberiad made sentient. I don't know. Yeah. The Siberian was an AI. This is from Todd's Wikia. An AI which contained all the knowledge and future history of all Cybermen. Future history. Doc uses that phrase in this episode, actually. Serving a role once held by the history computer, uh, which appeared in the Tomb of the Cybermen. So we have had the history computer before. I've forgotten this. And now that's called the Siberium. Mm. But yeah, the the master makes a point to say I've... It's like hundreds of years he's been aware of the Siberium. Yeah. But the doctor's never heard of it. It's obviously not just come out of nowhere. It's it's part of this war. Yeah. And they they make a thing about... I think the um, the lone Cyberman has an intro moment where he's voicing over to say that it takes a believer, you know, to restart stuff and that's why this one Cyberman is making a difference but it's in combination with the Siberium to mm. to fulfill a different purpose of the cyber race which in his its mind is robots oh yeah yeah which I'm kind of with the master is like oh yeah it's a bit boring yeah, <laughs> yeah interest waning yeah. <laughs> robot schmobots <laughs> we've seen them <laughs> but yeah I, it, I think that's why it, it's slightly different to the Dalek thing because it is not just one Cyberman it's a Cyberman with this new Siberium thing a Cyberman with a cyber plan yeah yeah <laughs> and I, I don't know I really like the idea that it's a reject Cyberman someone that volunteered that's like, extra badass like mm. this this guy is fucked up <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha 
Well, didn't he say that he killed his family because they joined the resistance? Yeah, that scene. It, uh, yeah, just to reiterate what you said earlier, Marie. Like I, that scene is lovely. Yeah, for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. We haven't talked about how Captain Jack came back. <gasps> yeah, I, I was going to say, not Simon, not the only callbacks to prior who. Yeah. And the Jack came back. <laughs> but never again. Just that one episode. Oh, he's going to be in the special, though, isn't he? Against oh, the Daleks. Surely. Oh, he was there do. for that block of filming, which is a really banal explanation. But, I mean, that's why... Again, Jim had a nice retro rewrite, if he can remember it, Jim. Oh? Do you need prompting? Oh, let's hear it. So, dude whose name we might have mentioned but forgot again, old guy who sacrificed himself in place of the um, the doctor. The doctor. Yeah, right, the Jim like, from Dairy Girls. Yeah. Oh, the Should, dude from Game of Thrones. Did no one else think that was going to be Jack? Like, I, I totally knew someone was going to run in and take over. Like, mm. Doc's not going to press the button. Wait, wait, what now? When Doc has the... Oh! The, the grenade on the death particle. Nope, did and not to, think that. And Yeah, to, to press <laughs> But and she kills the master, but she also kills herself. And is it worth the sacrifice? And then she, and she can't do it. At that point, if Jack had have run in, then it would have made his little cameo worthwhile. And because we know he's immortal as well, he potentially could have survived it. The death particle destroys everything except for his head. Yeah, well, no, sails this, was it. Yes. <laughs> this was exactly this Jim's is, theory. No, no, this is your fault. Oh, was it, oh, it's yeah. my theory. Um, <laughs> so it's my theory. Um, was that this could have explained, like, he couldn't survive in his human form, but it would destroy, you know, some, as much of him, and then that's how he becomes the face of Bo. That's really good. Wouldn't that have been great? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it would definitely <laughs> fill a gap in that man's history. History that <laughs> desperately needs to be filled. Absolutely. <laughs> hey all. Hey all. <laughs> <laughs> For once, I feel like that was an appropriate hundred percent. Yeah, I like that retro rewrite. Did you like seeing Captain Jack again, or was it just unnecessary? It was wonderful seeing him again, wasn't yeah. it? I don't know if he was maybe a little OTT, but who cares? I love Captain I Jack. I like that he's he got called cheesy. on it. Yeah, he's a bit cheesy. <laughs> yeah, like the lineal champion of New Who, never defeated, just <laughs> took some time out. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't really thought much about Jack in the in-between years. And as soon as he appears, I'm like, fucking hell, it's Jack! Yay, Jack! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, right, I really like Jack. I didn't realise that. Okay. <laughs> Absence, was, um... heart, fonder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was, I think it's just a bit of a shame that the Doctor didn't get to see Jack. Like, there wasn't a proper reunion. He just got to interact with her three a bit shit companions. <laughs> yeah, oh. let's put a pin in that and get back to the companions okay, in a okay. bit. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think Captain Jack's coming back for Christmas. Do you think? Oh. It is. Oh, sorry. Am I right in saying this? I, I said this before off the air, but I'm I'm fairly certain we're getting a special in December. So it's on Wikipedia. Episode title is there, but it doesn't have a release date. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it has to bridge the gap between now and I'm assuming September 2021. So yeah. Christmas falls right in the middle. Christmas yeah. makes it's sense. A, a festive yeah. episode is apparently what they've said. Oh, uh, yeah. It will be maybe it's New Year's, then. maybe it's yeah. Christmas. Who knows? I hope it's Christmas Day. Yeah, They'll let us know. Yeah, and, and do, do we will Two get weeks more before. Captain Jack. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Captain Jack is perfect for a Christmas episode because he is dead cheesy, but so are the yeah. Christmas episodes. That's very And true. he can sing. And he can sing! <laughs> oh, amazing. <Ooh. laughs> Underutilized. Oh, if skills. you want to break a fourth wall and have him <laughs> flogging John Barrymore oh. CDs, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this dude's a double threat. Yeah. <laughs> the only way to stop him is to buy all his CDs. Did you like the other callbacks to other Who? I mean, Cybermen, I guess, are the major one. Jadoon? Jadoon? I think I liked the Jadoon. 
The Jadoon. More than before? Um, a platoon of Jadoon near the moon. Yeah. <laughs> near a lagoon. Near that lagoon. <laughs> it's a canal. More of a canal, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Did you like the, I'm going to break the matrix with my mind meld and we're going to flash back to all the old doctors? I mean, I hate all mind melds yeah. in Doctor I Who because might. they should not be there. <laughs> that wasn't a mind meld. That was her just in the Matrix. Oh, okay. I yeah. love that there is yeah, the Matrix. That was a mind palace. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I'm okay with that. Totally okay, okay with that. Good. There were tons of references back to Gallifrey of Classic Who in that double feature. Yeah. So we have the Matrix. We There was a mention of Borussia yes. uh, in one they of were, them, whom we met super duper recently. When they were kids and they would run around the streets and uh, yeah. <laughs> skip out of Borussia's classes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Which is so mm. nice. Yeah, the Panopticon, yada, yada, yada. Trying to think of something else now. I think it was mostly that around the oh, maybe, yeah. central Gallifrey society stuff. Yeah. Sure. And then, yeah, the multiple flashbacks of... I, I have not done a slow look through that of what scenes are featured and all this kind of stuff. Oh, Whether there's no, no, right. important things in there, I'm sure many fans have. Mm. Anyone else had a look at stuff? No, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I did know that the Eccleston was in it. Oh, which well, I, I mean, they have the rights to his image. Yeah. Well, yeah, but occasionally they don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's important to note it is there. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think it starts to make more sense in Chibnall's show-running vision for the show. In that series eleven, he's anticipating bringing a lot new fans on board. So it's a fairly hard reboot while not being an entire reboot. Mm. And it does its own thing for a series. And now I wonder if he thinks, well, maybe the kids are getting a bit older. They're ready for something more where they can be trusted to go and look back into the rich mythological classical history. They grow up so fast these days. Well, it takes so long between (laughs) series these days. (laughs) But in sum, I just think it, it shows some sort of planning to be like, okay, we're our own thing. But once you're hooked on us, then guess what? There's more you can find there is a history there. in the history of the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder how many people will go back and... Well, I think to go back and watch the older new Who's, like you were doing, Drew. Yep. Maybe a lot of people will do that because, you know, they're all available widely. But I don't know how many people would make the bridge to classic. Yeah, I'm just thinking Chibnall is trying to grow the fan base. He's also trying to get new long-term fans because the show is pitched a bit younger at the moment. But if you point to where you could enjoy it more as you grow up i don't know i'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt but i is think what it's, I'm saying. it's always been pitched quite young like there's always been episodes where we, you kind of have to hand wave and be like oh it's a family show but no good on him i think if that is the game because yeah let's make some uh, proper hardcore fans yeah i agree yeah, yeah. go back and watch everything if he manages to do that that's a fantastic maybe thing. listen to a podcast to accompany them <laughs> why not <laughs> <laughs> great idea <laughs> yeah so, companions? Companions. Oh, we've We're mentioned them. Pin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In these little voodoo dolls of companions you've got. Well, you know my opinions. <laughs> well, let's hear it. Do you want to hear my opinion? Yes, please. Well, I would. Do you know what? The f- first thing I'm going to mention is something that none of you have picked up on yet. And that well, maybe we were leaving it for you. It is that I today have come with my hair. As the braids, I, they're beautiful. They're very nice. Homage to Yaz. This is Yaz's hairdo in the final episode. Oh, is it? Uh, I can't see it even now. I mean, I'm looking, but I'm not recognizing. I'm need, sorry I didn't point glasses. it out before. It's, fine. it's very nice. It's fine. it's fine. I never would have made a connection to Yaz, though. I don't remember what hairdo she has. Well, yeah. you're clearly not paying attention. All I nope. see is that you're definitely not bald. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> Are you making some sort of a statement here? I am. My statement is that she is by far the only companion that is worth paying attention to. <gasps> um, and on our rewatch, I wrote a load of headers. Okay. And I was trying to like, as we watched everything, just kind of make notes in vague themes. And um, under my companion headers, that Graham got just there for the commentary, which was the comment that the master makes in the first episode, and nothing that I saw after that refuted it. So mm-hmm. that's all he got. Ryan. <laughs> All I wrote was, what is Ryan for? <laughs> <laughs> and they also made a note Ryan. about how often his <laughs> dyspraxia... What is he good yeah. <laughs> I made a note about how often his dyspraxia comes up. And it is the first episode where he fails to shoot a basketball hoop. And the final episode where he shoots a basketball-shaped bomb at some Cybermen. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was it. That was the only reference in the entire 10 episodes. Whereas Yaz, Yaz, I think Yaz is fucking awesome. Like, I think as a companion on her own, she's the one who goes places. So she, um, oh yeah. She remember. goes through the teleport in the... Is that the one you were thinking? Yeah, she with? presses yeah. the teleport to go... She chooses to go and follow the guy in the... In Praxius. Praxius episode. She gets pulled into the weird in-between place with the... Oh, in Spyfall. Oh, right. In yeah. Spyfall. yeah. Rainforest. Yeah. Yeah. She is the first one in the last episode where they've got this big wormhole and they're all sat there going, oh, what do we do now? We have to walk through there. Graham's like, oh, who's going to go first? She just walks. There's no discussion. There's no like, oh, I guess I'll do it then. She just goes. She just walks in. Like she's, she's just the first one on the front line every time. She puts herself out there for the doctor. She's the only one that does anything. Yep. She faces down the Jadoon with her trainee PC powers. She does. Yeah. And, then, and she takes control of the situation. Every time that she's there and the doctor is not, she makes decisions she guides the, her team like whoever is there she's the only one that takes any responsibility the rest of them are just sat around like patting themselves on the back if they ever do the boys if they ever do anything vaguely noteworthy they spend <laughs> the rest of the episode telling us how great they are yeah she doesn't do that. She <laughs> just gets f- on with stuff. Do you feel that she is always this well utilized? In this series, she's been better. I know you didn't like her a lot in the last series. I maintain that she has. I, I think you're right. She's definitely better used in this season, in yeah. the last one, season 12. But I maintain that even though she has the greatest potential mm. as a character, she is a she's a, a detective or a, a police woman. I mean, she could solve crime. She could solve mysteries. Yeah. She's it's only a trainee. Fine, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. What's his face? Graham is a, a bus driver and uses like, oh, the most no. tenuous connections. Don't you tell me how often he uses his bus driver skills to solve crime. No, not to solve crime, but I, I mean, his skills as a bus driver are stretched ad infinitum to then <laughs> yeah. apply to various episodes. Rosa, I remember. Exactly. <laughs> you don't have to stretch her skills that far. She is already in the police force. But she could have. But she uses it. She uses it almost every week, but it's just not, they don't make a big deal about it. She she goes and talks to people and asks questions and like, like not interrogates, but that's what she does. She's interested in people. Well, I feel like she is criminally underused, even though, ironically, even though she is the most interesting and the the character with the most potential. And she's in the police. Exactly. So ironic. Hence the irony. And the story actually that made me, that does focus on all of the characters is the, oh, can you hear me? Which is the one that goes, they all get a little bit of a backstory. So they all get dropped off at home. The doctor goes off and does something and they all have this little bit of a like, I'm going to talk about mental health for a day. And Ryan is like, (laughs) my friend, oh no, he's having mental health problems. Graham is like, oh no, I'm worried about my cancer coming back, which is obviously is a valid concern. But Jim actually turned to me and said, oh, does Brian have cancer? Uh, 
Graham, does Graham have cancer? Like, they haven't mentioned it since the first episode. It's not a concern that is, like, recurring. They just seem to have forgotten about it. Whereas her concern, like, obviously she had this moment where she'd run away from home and she was really worried and she was being bullied and blah, blah, blah. And she had this interaction with this policewoman. And it was the only one that sort of fit with the character that we've built up of her and it gave you this backstory of maybe like why she went into the police force in the first place and just fleshed her out a little bit more and it had emotion attached to it yeah yeah graham's one they try and turn into a comedy moment with the doctor not having social which is so yeah Yeah. we had this conversation at the time as well I, i don't know i think that that is just how you react to cancer how are you going to suddenly provide a template for how you should react to someone else's either real struggles with cancer or worries about cancer? Because, you know, everybody knows someone with mm. cancer. I had a friend whose mother just died of cancer really recently. And I've been trying to think all week what to say to her. My own mum died of cancer. It doesn't make you any more prepared for it or any wiser. Mm. So to put something in this episode that would claim to be like, this is the guidebook for talking about cancer is an enormous ambition. But excuse me, I think you're making a bit of a leap there. I don't think that they need to provide a template for how to face this problem. Okay. But instead of even doing the most like vaguely human thing, just kind or friendly, like, as in being a friend to Graham, th- those two are friends. Instead mm-hmm. of exhibiting the, the traits of any friend and just caring she literally just goes i have no idea how to react to this i'm gonna stand over there for a little bit and then we'll change the topic of conversation she doesn't have to go right here are the textbook steps for how to deal with someone who is grieving or who is dealing with trauma or anything like that absolutely not necessary See, i don't think she reacted that callously in that scene i didn't really have a problem with it i thought she was just saying like graham i know i'm the doctor and everything and i'm in the stratosphere but even in the stratosphere you can't see everything i'm just gonna be here and I'm listening, and if you want to keep talking about it, fine. Yeah, I, think- I, I actually quite liked it. I didn't mind her response. And I think mainly as a as a woman, women are supposed to be really caring and, and passionate, and, and we always know what to say, and we're this like shoulder to cry on when these things happen. And so they didn't write her like that. They wrote her as if they would have written any other... Like I've been very carefully watching this series to see if they're writing her different because she's a woman. And this was a nice moment where they didn't make her this maternal figure. They made her this socially awkward person who didn't know what to say, but says, I am here and I will try. And as soon as I come up with something that is vaguely supportive i will let you know but i'm just it's not there on my fingertips ready to come out did you feel like that after the first viewing as well yeah i think so okay yeah yeah i I didn't i have to say and i i think i could have accepted it if there was more established relationship between graham and the doctor where marie just shot her hand up we'll come back to that i don't think there was enough yin and yang of that conversation for it to have been comfortable it looked awkward it looked like the heart was missing from it yeah and i I agree i think this is like my main issue with the companions is that they they're constantly they she calls them fam and they're always saying like you're family to me but you don't feel an emotional connection and so in the final episode when the doctor's like i'm gonna go and sacrifice myself for you you know i'm gonna die doing this and yaz is the only one who right runs after and and tries to stop her and brian uh, Graham. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan and Graham. I can't know why I can't get it in my head. <laughs> he's, Gra- Graham. he's Graham O'Brien, which is confusing. Anyway, Ryan and Graham are basically equivalent to that. There's four people there that she has met 
within the space of 24 hours and their reaction is so similar to the reaction of Ryan and Graham it's like there's no like emotional connection she is sacrificing herself for you and the only thing Ryan says is like Yaz come on like to try and pull like rein her in and stop her to having this emotional response it's like no the emotional response is the right response to have imagine like that scene with Amy or with Clara or with Rose or like any of the other companions Donna with Donna with even with Donna Donna would not put up with that like there is an emotional connection there and the two men in particular do not seem to have an emotional response to the doctor yeah i mean i see sort of a broader overarching problem which is that in series 11 ryan and graham got to have a storyline and yaz was apart from demons of the punjab barely there at all Mm. she was there doing graham's job in this series having one standout clunky line per episode to remind us of her attendance and then in this series it's been swapped the other way she's got a bit more to do the boys have faded into the background and sort of ceased to be three-dimensional characters there are too many companions and they're not being all used to their maximum potential at the same time yeah there's only room for maybe one i don't know if like every episode this series there's been a lot of extra characters introduced yeah they all get two minutes at the beginning That's, of each episode yeah 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 i wrote every, every like there aren't that many cold opens actually when we rewatch them but the first five minutes of every episode is dedicated to introducing new characters and then we have three companions and the doctor and the master and all this stuff and it's just it feels like it's so thin you don't you spend so much time with the new characters in each episode like i care more about mary shelley or about tesla or you know the, all the other characters that come in and every week than i do about the ones that are there like week in week out yeah i agree yeah. yeah, and it's laudable to give ca- characters of the week a deeper basis, but there just isn't enough room. Yeah. 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 It I, shouldn't be at the expense of a companion. Sometimes there are even so many ancillary ca- characters that even if it were a completely companionless episode, yeah. you wouldn't even get to le- get to know the individual ancillary characters yeah. well enough. Yeah. The one that I rewatched today, Praxius. Holy moly, there are a lot of characters there's that so show many. up. There's so many characters in that. A dude dies and no one even comments on it. Like I think maybe there is if there is literally like one phrase. Oh, that dude died. <laughs> yeah. The the guy who's who's in the station with the it turns out to be alien lady oh yeah he's he's oh, out, oh my he's goodness out watching the birds and just, yeah. he just, just dies, dies. Yeah. yeah you're right and um <laughs> no one cares orphan 55 as well there are so many characters there you yeah. could have yeah. cut half of them out and yep. not change the story at all yeah. yeah i and if anything that's the kind of episode that you should reserve for a companionless episode yeah exactly yeah true i am mostly convinced given the way they have and i, I don't see it as a, f- a flipping of the the companion roles between 11 and 12 i see it more as just an absolute boosting of yaz but like yeah yaz is a character we can do something with we're going to give her all the important companion bits that is just running throughout series 12 and then they throw in a thing where ryan is just sat kind of going oh aren't you worried about leaving all your friends behind we're aging at different rates are they they finally just going to accept three or too many if we're going to lose someone it's definitely going to be ryan if we're going to lose two it's definitely graham and ryan Ryan. exactly i I did i quite liked that line because i was a bit like oh does this mean that in the next series ryan will decide to stay home with his buddy (laughs) yeah you know when they're all sitting like they're out of makeup they're just like they're reading the script for the first time around the table the table read is what it's called and uh, <laughs> he gets to that line do you think he goes like oh fuck they're writing <laughs> out of the show aren't they gotta up my game damn you chibbers yeah. but yeah that, that, that episode as well he was, he's with his buddy and he's talking about going traveling and stuff and he's like yeah it's fine like it's just so blase about it like it hasn't 
this should be like you've seen the most incredible things that you never thought you would see it should have changed your world and your whole outlook on life and he just doesn't seem to have been neither one of by them it at all. neither one of them because no. at the end his body has also been out to space and has seen the inside of the TARDIS and knows what uh, what's his face yeah. is up to or Ryan is up to all the time and he's just like cool I'll be here next time you come around yeah, yeah. No, fuck you dude no you will want to get in on that shit absolutely <laughs> <laughs> right. sorry for the F-bombs <laughs> at least here's my camcorder please film everything you do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you get bored ask if I can come and take uh, your place yeah I'll tag yeah. you in <laughs> I agree. In season 12, Yaz has become the, the focal point, but I still feel like the other ones are taking away from her. I, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's too many, unquestionably. Yeah. That's always the oh. theme. There are too many. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe things will change because in episode 10, we had Graham go, no, yes, you're the chosen one. You're the special one. You're the one that everybody actually likes and gets to do something now. And I have heard... I don't know how closely your ears have been to the ground, but the actor who plays Ryan is perhaps moving into US television. Uh, okay. oh. There's a contract going. Yeah. I don't think Bradley Walsh is going to do a third series. He's getting on a bit. Two okay. series have taken their toll on him. Yeah. So I think it will just be Yaz and maybe a newcomer next okay. year. Score. No, not a newcomer. You don't need a newcomer. Have a yeah. one companion season just, just for it. Just try it out. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm -mm. Good. Cheers yes. to that. Oh, we, we did it, guys. We, oh, shit, I, I'm empty. Oh. How, am I, how am I running on dry? Oh, dear. Look, here we go. <laughs> uh, vodka me, please. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Uh, as I pour myself a drink, how do you feel about the TARDIS interior? Has this changed after you've just rewatched the whole thing? And has this changed after we've seen Ruth's beautiful TARDIS interior? Say, it was nice to see the old-fashioned, like, Ruth, and then the two TARDISes they stole from Gallifrey. They were the really, like, classic. Yeah. Yeah, they're quite cool. Oh. I don't mind the Doctor's TARDIS. I it's hate it. It's very modern. It's it's just a pile of shit. <laughs> and it's been that way for two series entirely unchanged. Yeah. And from the first second I saw it, I was like, ugh. Ugh. <laughs> that reaction hasn't changed. It's oh. It's gone unchanged because they must have spent a fortune on it. And now they can't justify renovating that set. Burn it to the ground, seriously, and then use the insurance money to build a new set. <laughs> because it. that's a piece of shit. I, d I don't really Use mind Ruth's TARDIS set. Use Ruth. You've already built Ruth's TARDIS set. Use that. I did. I liked seeing the TARDISes with the functioning chameleon circuits, though. When she oh, yeah. landed mm. and it was a tree. That was nice. <laughs> That's, That's very pretty nice. cool. Yeah. 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 But yeah. And then uh, she wanders into her own TARDIS and chats to the TARDIS. And it's like, it's going home to a buddy. Like this yeah. one that I've just left might work better, but this is my home. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think just to say on that very, very, very quickly, I don't mind that the new Who ones tend to be a bit outlandish and very different to the, the standard Roundel stuff from the classics. Sure. But I still love the Roundels. Mm. Like seeing Roofs and the basic straight out Gallifrey TARDIS was lovely. It just filled me with joy to see that in a lot of ways. Because we've actually reached a point in the classics as well where we, as far as we're aware, this is the same TARDIS console is basically going to run for the next pretty much yeah 15 years for us or whatever you know and it's pretty much that it's pretty much 
what they show us. It, you yeah. know, they show us a modern version of of that TARDIS, which is in the in the 70s, it's the modern version of the 60s one in a way. You know, they don't iterate it that much, whereas New Who just kind of went every time, yeah, no, we're going to make this a, a library. We're going to make this one just... But wasn't that nice, though? If you're thinking of the Capaldi one, yeah. wasn't that a really nice TARDIS interior? Yeah, I quite like that one, yeah. It was more, like, homely. Whitakers does feel quite stark. Yeah, wh- what about all these weird... But they look like giant salt lamps. It's very good for, like... Uh, yeah, it like really cleanses your chi. Yeah, exactly. You go into the tar- into <laughs> TARDIS very, and hold it moldy. Do you feel good? Exactly. <laughs> I know that most of the time we don't get to see much beyond the bridge in the TARDIS or the console room. Sorry to mix up my franchises. <laughs> go for it, go for it, go for it. But I feel like it would be nice to see something other than this. Take the theme and the decoration, the motif, and show us another room. And then maybe it will hold together more in my mind. There's a lot of rooms referenced all the time. She's like, I'm cleaning out the pool, or I'm doing this, or I'm... Yeah. At one point, there are loads of people she's transported. She's like, I have to get them all out the sauna. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like wardrobe, it's like four doors and, you know, three rights and a left, and then... Yeah, I guess it's because there's one room and I don't particularly like it. And so I feel stuck there. Yeah. I, I would have no trouble traveling around in Capaldi's library until the end of time. Yeah. But this one, I, I want to see it extended yeah. in some way to, mm. to make it more of a... But yeah, we never really see it extended. That would be a bit... Yeah, I, th- I think my main problem with it as well is it it doesn't really feel cohesive. I remember scenes with Matt Smith's TARDIS where he's like repairing stuff and there's like a swing underneath the main console or something like that. Oh, yeah. You know, and they're having a bit of fun with it. They're they're thinking about, oh, how could the Doctor be in this place with his companions? Mm-hmm. And whereas it just seems most of the time we get Jodie Whittaker stood around the console in some various point that they probably not even cared if it's near a thing or not. You know, they've probably not taken um, William Hartnell's, what does this button do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Need to know how it works. Detail. Yeah. And it's generally, and then the companions are just sat around on steps. It's just surrounded yeah. by steps. They're Sit on the stairs. They're never helping. Like, but there are no chairs around, and there there are no like. Th- what is the console? What is the console? But this is because we're because we're, we're watching Capaldi at the minute, and and he's got Clara, and he's constantly he's like, oh, you do this, you do that. Can you pass me this like sonic neuro bloody blah wrench? And she knows exactly what it is, and she's been learning the entire time, and she knows how to fly the machine, and she knows oh, how true. to use all of his tools. All these like he alien gives her tech. the sonic and goes like, oh, it needs a setting fifty two blast for like three seconds exactly and she, she knows exactly, exactly what, that means. Knows what yeah. that means yeah the companions they're just sat they're just on holiday they're just like oh where are you going to take us to next they're not engaging but then there are weird moments the one where they go on um oh it's the orphan 55 one at the start graham i'm getting it right there the old guy uh, graham Ryan. <laughs> graham <laughs> don't try <laughs> don't drag him down with you <laughs> Graham says that he's been collecting all these little tokens to form, like to to win a free trip. Yeah. But that kind of suggests that he's interacting with all this future nonsense in the background. Yeah. He's not just sitting somewhere. He's, uh, how has that been happening? When did he learn about tokens in the future? Exactly. (laughs) And it just, it just feels really like incongruous. It doesn't, it's like, how, when did you get these tokens? This doesn't fit. Exactly. Yeah. The TARDIS is really confined and stagey and not dynamic. I'll tell you what it feels like. 
it feels like they're sitting around at the beginning of a musical on yeah. like a bunch of steps <laughs> waiting for their part to come yeah. in but they never start singing yeah. they're, they're they're pretending to roll dice and they're, they're doing a little gambling game yeah yes oh jim <laughs> were you there as well <laughs> and occasionally they'll just there'll just be a random click of the fingers and then the beat starts and they're just clicking in unison <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that just West Side Story? West Side Story. (laughs) (laughs) Or is this just like an illicit craps game somewhere on a street corner? Do they have a lookout? Just like, cops, cops! What (laughs) they do now, now that we're not allowed to socialise, apart from for podcast purposes. (laughs) (laughs) Two metres apart at all times. Um. There's enough alcohol here to kill any kind of corona in the vicinity. (laughs) The other thing about them being sat around is this happens in the heat of moments in some of the episodes. And I, I've just come to decide that the companions aren't companions, they're just managers. I mean, <laughs> it's really it's really brought to it the biggest horrible attention when they decide to go and pretend to be cyber people and you get two randoms of the week literally taking flesh out of the cyber suits. Mm. She's reprogramming it, he's taking the flesh out. Yeah. You know, horrible, horrible work. Yeah. Graham and Yaz sat on the steps in the in the background just having a chat. Sat twiddling their thumbs. Because <laughs> that's the thing, her, her job is skilled. She's doing the programming, but his job is just take this old skeleton and whatever remains of human are and make room so that you can climb into it. And they could be helping with that job and they're not even interested. What do they do with the flesh, by the way? Who knows? Dump it. Somewhere. Oh, that's the biggest giveaway. <laughs> like, and, and that's going to be messy as uh, well and, and bloody. Yeah. Smelly. Yeah. 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 And oh, it's not like there's, there's just like a hinge. You don't open it like a This cupboard. is a Cyberman ship. There's plenty of meat grinders to hand. <laughs> <laughs> or disposal units. The Lord Cyberman <laughs> walks in and goes, hmm, there are 10 Cyberman closet gizmos around here. Outside three of them, there's just like massive chunks of meat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember us ever eating stuff. Like, that can't be dinner. Like, I, I want to... <laughs> do, do we have a do we have a rat problem? Is there like, what's going on here? <laughs> but I think that the, the management thing is going hand in hand with the too many people just in the, in the episodes and the people of the week. You care about them more than the companions because the companions be always useful. are always a back back seat. Like Tesla is the one who is engineering the solution. Oh yeah, the companions are stood around going, oh yeah, Tesla, you do that thing, and it's yeah, le- left, right, and center. Mar- Mary Shelley is the one that stands up to the lone Simon, you know, and, and they're just occasionally they have a push from a doctor or they think of something to do, but it, apart from the few instances where it's Yaz doing something herself, most of the time it's them managing someone else to do something yeah. good job Nicola you're really quite brainy aren't you keep at it son <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah and it is, it's tiring it's tiring to watch that whole thing of just because you, you can't feels, care about all these people every week. It feels tiring for the Doctor. So there's a really good couple of lines in a couple of episodes where she talks about it being a flat team structure. And then she has this big outburst and says, it is not flat. I am on a mountain. I am on the pinnacle. I am alone. Like, I am making these decisions and you are all, like, none of you are helping me. It's always true to an extent, but I do feel like there's a lot of times where a companion has managed to talk the doctor down from something or has shown them a different way that you didn't you didn't consider. Like quite often the human companion is like their conscience and it's like, yeah. you, you know. Or their compliment. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as much as we neg on Donna. Donna. <laughs> 
like that is probably her to a T. That's her role, exactly. And it's not true in this case. They are literally just they are along for the ride and they just follow along in the doctor's footsteps and they are tourists and they're on holiday and they're not engaging in the big decisions or yeah. Mm. I don't know if it is my maybe my biggest beef with this series as a whole is how kind of preachy it feels about the kind of social commentary so there's a lot of episodes that end up so i already mentioned there's the kind of the can you hear me was the mental health issue and they quite a few times talked about mental health and then everybody went away and had their mental health crises and they were all resolved we had the the first couple of episodes were about technology and privacy and we all need to be a lot more careful about who we give our data to then there was the global warming and all the scientists have done this and this and this and and you need to act now otherwise your planet is doomed and then there was the plastics everywhere and there are all issues that i agree with and i think you know we obviously we do need to think about global warming we do need to talk about plastics but it just feels so ham-fisted it was really rammed down your throat that is uh, this is uh, like you're reading my mind i've written quite preachy particularly concerning the environment yeah we get two episodes about that yeah absolutely and and it's i feel really really torn about it because i do think it's an important thing that we should be talking about yeah and to see it be done well would be great yeah well yeah yeah but that's the thing it just felt a little bit ham-fisted and the more it happened every other episode there was another lesson that we needed to learn about the state of our society and I just don't know if it's the right way of doing it. I think I could almost extend it as well to Tesla. Like it, it's not a preachy message but the fact that he's like slightly forgotten in history is just way overplayed the fact that none of the companions have ever heard of him they're just yeah. like oh is that is that vaguely like that motor company like a that motor company is fucking massively well known yeah <laughs> and b no i feel like most people have heard of nikola yeah, tesla i feel yeah, like I tesla is not an obscure character in history no like all it did was show well, me how pe- ignorant their companions are maybe most people don't i i certainly didn't know much about him as an individual but except mm. what i've seen in some films yeah <laughs> but surely but to have not, everyone to have not knows heard of him at all everyone has heard of him like can be like oh tesla you're the car guy and then and then you learn more about what you did like rather than just nobody's even heard yeah the name. no no that's nonsense uh, yeah i put that in the same kind of ham fisting like someone got a we should make a big point about this and it just they can't bring it down into a level of well, yes, we need to let the children know, but also adults who might understand this already don't need to be preached to. Yeah. This folds in really well with my overall ranking of all the series episodes. Nice. You will see at the bottom very issue-heavy sort of cluster. So at the top, I've got Fugitive of the Jadoon. Okay, nice. Because, I mean, that for me was such an awesome shock. I would agree with you. I I feel like that's the best of the last two series by a a mile. Then I'd go Ascension of the Cybermen. Then I'd go Haunting of Villa Diodati. Spyfall Part 1. Ooh. Yeah. Splitting them up. Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Terrible title. So that's the top five. (laughs) Awful title. (laughs) Then in the bottom five, Can You Hear Me? The Timeless Children, Praxius, Spyfall Part 2, and Awful 55. (laughs) (laughs) interesting so at the bottom three i you've got the tech one you were talking about and the two environment ones i have to say everyone hands up orphan 55 was everybody's worst Worst all the hands are the worst one that's one of the few episodes where i think it actually did more harm to the brand to exist (laughs) 
<laughs> rather than not. I actually can't wait to review that one, though. <laughs> yeah, that is going this, to be this, a doozy. This is going to be a really fun <laughs> series to review. <laughs> I think so, too. But like, it's like pretty much every negative thing we've railed against this series is encompassed in that episode. <laughs> Should I quickly reel off my Covered. order, which I have not thought about in a lot of detail, but yeah, there's some, some disagreement with, with you there, Drew. Okay. I, I think my favorite was actually The Haunting of Villa Diodati. Mm-hmm. The that, closely, was, that was really high on mine. That was closely yeah. followed by The Fugitive of Jadoon. Yeah. But then I really liked The Timeless Children because I kind of liked the twist they were doing and I thought it was a really interesting makeup and the fact that it brought everything that they had been threading through. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, then again, Ascension of the Cyberman. Spyfall Part 2 and Part 1, I couldn't really split up. But I enjoyed part two better. You know, I enjoyed that more. Oh, Nikola Tesla's no. So I, I've actually done a color coding. So the top three, I was saying they they were good. The last three I mentioned, Spyfall Part One and Two, and Essential Sidemen, I was saying they were okay. And now we're into the, my bottom four. So Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, Praxius, Can You Hear Me, Orphan Fifty Five. Yeah. I say they're my again. My ranking is a bit hit, like all over the place because I just did it because Drew told us he had a ranking, so we all had to scramble to make a ranking. <laughs> um, Sorry, but my I didn't. My, <laughs> my bottom four are the same as Jim's bottom four in oh. various orders. I actually put Timeless Children as number one because oh. I just we literally finished that like half an hour before we got here, and I was on such a buzz. Like I thought it was fantastic, and I think Whitaker's like acting was just like pushed to the limit and she was fantastic in loads of scenes in that episode and I can't wait to review that episode either and yeah the Villa Diodati Ascension Cyberman and the Jadoon Fugitive of Jadoon and then yeah Spyfall just comes in the middle because to be honest it feels like it was so long ago now I can't even remember <laughs> but I'm sure I enjoyed it at the time sure. everything feels like so long ago right now I know. <laughs> I haven't done a complete ranking, but I will say Jadoon is my number one and uh. Awful 55 is my number absolute bottom. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah. <laughs> Minus infinity. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to be the lowest overall ranking when we come to it, do you think? Possibly. It's either that or it's Dr. Mysterio. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> Dr. Mysterio. Oh. We'll get to that. <laughs> oh, well, we have already, we've already gotten to it. Well, then I will get to that. <laughs> We have received some listener minis about these uh, couple of seasons as well. Shall we go through them and then go to our non-seasons 11 and 12 points for the evening? Yeah. Sounds great. Marvellous. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250 or it would get out of hand. Hello there, Podcast Land. You've reached the listener mini part of this bonus episode. We have six minis to read for you. And the first one, I believe, deserves a live rendition of one of these. You're a <laughs> Hello, Ed. Such a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ed starts, Dear Who Back When, happy 300th episode to my relatively newly discovered favourite podcast. Thanks, Ed. Here's our friend who agrees with us. (laughs) (laughs) I have largely enjoyed Jodie Whittaker as the 13th Doctor, but feel that she wasn't well served by her stories, especially in Series 11. I'm really pleased to say that Series 12 has been a vast improvement, though. Dewan's master has been great, and bringing back some classic foes has made it feel more like Doctor Who. Mm-mm. The Highs, Fugitive of the Jadoon, Haunting of Villa Diodati, and The Witchfinders. Nice one. That was a good one. Was that from Series 11? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. Yeah, the one with King James. The Lows, The Suranga Conundrum. 
and the Battle of... It R- <laughs> gets better. Oh. <laughs> Ranksaw of Colos. Good enough. Well, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Oh, fantastic stuff. Thank you very much, Ed. And so succinct. <laughs> Love it. Podcast land, please say hello to Ed. You can find Ed on Twitter at Ed Such. That's Ed with two Ds. But also check out the Doctor Who Impossible blog. Also managed by Ed. At DW Impos blog. Nice. Excellent <laughs> branding, Ed. Very good branding. Yeah. yeah. Hats off. Actually, I'm not wearing a hat, but imagine I am. <laughs> It's Earphones off. off. <laughs> Earphones off. <laughs> Wait, I can't hear myself anymore. <laughs> Next up, we've got the Doctor Gamer. Hello, the Doctor Gamer. Hello, hello the Doctor Gamer. <laughs> oh, you shot me, but no, oh, no, you can you? fix me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Season twelve in five words or less begins the Doctor Gamer. Spyfall, fun, good villains, four out of five. Orphan 55, boring, 2 out of 5. Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, above average, 3 out of 5. Fugitive of the Jadoon, um, wow, 4 out of 5. Praxius, interesting plot, 3 out of 10. What? <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it, keep us guessing. <laughs> Can you hear me? I don't know. Can you? 3 out of 10. The Haunting of, I don't know the name, very interesting and well executed, 4 out of 10. And the finale, wow, in a mixed way, 3 out of 10. And then there's a paragraph about the coronavirus. Hopefully it will be over soon. At Mm. least it's a good opportunity to marathon some Doctor Who, I guess. We did. Nice. (laughs) It it feels like a massive base under siege stories, but there are millions of bases. True. I'm loving your outlook on life, Dr. Gamer. Good stuff. Great review. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Podcast Land, do you agree? Of course you do. Please <laughs> high five Dr. Gamer online. Dr. Gamer can be found at Dr. Gamer 789. <laughs> dudes. <laughs> There's no dude. Don't write dudes. No dudes, no dudes. No dudes. No dudes. No dudes. <laughs> Next up, we have Tracy from America. America. Tracy! Hello, Tracy. What up, Tracy? <laughs> Mine gets higher every time I say it, I think. <laughs> and Tracy begins, hey guys, let's skip the pleasantries for now and get right to it. The latest season of Doctor Who was a whirlwind. Too short, a little bit everywhere, and I'm just left really confused. What happened along the way? Well, the season opened strong. The end of Spyfall 1 had me in delighted shock. The reveal of the Master makes so much sense. Random deaths all around the Doctor are just the kind of dick move the Master would use for no other reason than to get her attention. Very classic. So too is the Master arranging for some evil alien to do his dirty work. Nice callback in part two. Shall we say, she will tap four times? (laughs) As the season continues, a little bit of character growth, perhaps clumsily written, Points for effort, I guess. Graham's comedic lines mostly hit the right pitch. We muddle through a nice variety of bad to medium episodes <laughs> to finally get to the big news. The Doctor is herself the timeless child. Mother to all Time Lords. <laughs> she didn't even know. My head is spinning, Tracy continues. The Master was so upset he burnt up their entire planet. What are we to make of this? Tantalizingly, strangely, sadly, the Doctor does not get to pa- unpack this to her fam. Instead, the Jadoon arrive and imprison her. I forgot about that. I know, that's quite <laughs> oh, yeah. a twist. Yeah. 
<laughs> I am left wanting. Which I suppose at least means I'm ready for the next season. And Tracy gives this a season rating of... Four-dimensional wizard's chess. <laughs> Uh, Spot on. Yes. I mean, that very neatly summarizes it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> what other rating would you give? <laughs> These ratings are making more and more sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> that is a fucking awesome ending, though, with the. Is it? Is it? She goes in the Dundoon platoon. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank, Thank you very you, much. Do you want to agree with Tracy in a way that she will receive? Well, well yes, I do. Well, <laughs> well, you should follow her on Twitter. She oh. can be found at... Yekatnyatnuf. That's Fountain Tracy. Backwards almost. Almost, Marie, almost. Thanks, Tracy. Next up, we've got Kyle Rath. Fear the wrath of Kyle. Let's get to the hearts of the matter. Ooh, nice one. The Doctor. Both the character and the show is fundamentally changed forever. Possibly. (laughs) My first reaction was this. This is a setup, a special for your consideration. Column to follow. I've heard two things often since the finale. One, this new shift doesn't matter because there is no continuity in Doctor Who. Except for the TARDIS, Sonic Screwdriver, the bad guys. However, if the continuity is not immutable, then why not make the TARDIS a grapefruit? Or a mathematical equation? Or the colour of farts? (laughs) (laughs) The companions could be theoretical concepts, a talking sombrero, or a severed head of a Cyberman. Hang on. Oi. That rings a bell. (laughs) (laughs) Rusty. No, not Rusty. Handles. 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 (laughs) Two... This new shift has made the Doctor mysterious again and made limitless new stories possible. From the finale, have you ever been limited by who you were before? No. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, even bad writing needs context. And for a show with as much history and do-overs as Doctor Who... Context is crucial. Every showrunner leaves their mark, changing the rules to suit their take. That's fine. That's television. Inevitably, this run will end. Changes will be made and unmade. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. So in 5, 10, 57 years down the road, will we be still contemplating the nuances of an alien cavorting around the universe? Likely. To be clear... I'm not on board. There are more holes, more questions, and less context now. But I'm not going anywhere. I've just used up all my words. (laughs) Well done, Kyle. Bravo. Yeah, very nicely done. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, really beautiful. I feel like we're kind of in the same page club on this one. Very nicely done. People who are not Kyle, fret not, you can follow Kyle online and high-five him. He can be found at Sinister Sinister Super Spy. Spy. (laughs) That's super without any vowels. (laughs) Yeah, it is. You sounded like Zoe Deschanel's answering machine running out of battery. What? (laughs) Sinister Super Spy. Oh, oh, I've just remembered about my favourite thing about Yaz. Oh, go on then. When she said Graham was all right for a human and then said that's a love letter for a Yorkshire girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. True. Ah. Accurate. 100%. I also can contest this. (laughs) No, not contest. You contest this? (laughs) Don't contest it, Jim. Another word that made sense in that sentence. Confirm, Confirm this. That's the one. Hey. And that's why he's a proofreader. 
Yeah, I go uh, back in time from this moment <laughs> to get the job. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thanks, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got Michael Ridgeway. Ridgeway. Love you, Michael. Love you, Michael. Also so big. <laughs> <laughs> Michael begins, happy 300th episode. I will only start worrying about coronavirus when you stop broadcasting. Well, there's a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Michael gives us a Series 12 mini, and he kicks off with some... Bluffs. Gallifrey kaboomed again? We never got a really good Gallifrey episode akin to classic Who story of the deadly assassin, or meet some other baddie time lords. Yeah. The master. Crazy, scary, insane, but two John Sim? Mm-mm. Interesting. Picking up on that as well. I wanted a more subtle evil genius. Glad the shrink on his back, though. It's very cool. Oh, I don't know. It seems like diminishing returns. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. How Boom. long have you been sitting on that one, Drew? <laughs> 5, 10, 57 years. <laughs> And Michael thinks there were too many forgettable episodes. With two years to make a series and with only a stingy 10 episodes, they should all be shit hot. Not 50% shit hot and 50% shit. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Michael then continues with some likes. (laughs) First like, Captain Jack. Captain Jack. I told you there was a lot of vodka in that one. (laughs) (laughs) Second like, the evil gods with the scary fingers. Yuck. Also, the lone Cyberman. The new Cybermen were pretty badass all round. Everybody thinks he's badass. Mm -hmm. Agreed. But Michael also likes the Cyber Time Lords. Oh, no. I think you mean Time Masters, Michael. (laughs) Uh, No, he doesn't. (laughs) Close enough, close enough. (laughs) Cybermasters, Cybermasters. Surely they aren't destructible, though, if you shoot each one 12 times. That was my question, Michael. Yeah. And last like, the timeless child. Holy moly, this uber twist has brought mystery back to the role of Doctor, quite similar to what Classic Who Producers did with the Seventh Doctor. (laughs) As a side note, I'm quite glad that you read that out, Leo. (laughs) (laughs) And Michael's summary is... Strokey beard, interesting most of the time. And the rating as I stroke my beard 3.1 out of 5. Tiny drunken people in the matchbox. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Michael. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Could we, Michael. Could we follow Michael on Twitter? I, I mean, that would be a great thing. Why, I yes, would. we could. Yeah. Michael can be found at bad underscore movie <laughs> underscore club. <laughs> No more underscore. <laughs> um, no, are you all mocking my northern accent? No, just your fake northern one, love. How rude. <laughs> that was genuine. Everything's genuine right now. All right, yeah. <laughs> when I... she's drunk, she's nothing but northern. <laughs> <laughs> my question for Michael is, Michael, when you write in all your episode reviews for the series, are they going to average out to a 3.1? Oh, I like it. Well, it should be fairly easy because there are 10 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we have one more listener mini. This one comes from Trenton Blairs. Hello, Trenton. Long time no see. Mm, hello mm-hmm. there, Trenton. 
Well, that's what, how Trenton begins his mini. He says hello for the first time in a long time. Over the course of 2019 and early 2020, I've kind of drifted away from my regular mini reviewing and have sort of just disappeared. Oh, but I'm back. Yay. Woohoo. And I want to share my thoughts on the current state of the Doctor Who franchise. Series 12 was definitely a good step up after Series 11. Series 11 was very safe, but kind of bland in some areas, while Series 12 took some huge risks. Some I did not even expect to be taken. That's very fair. I will say the Timeless Child arc has divided the fans very deeply. While I am a supporter of the idea of the Time Lord's past being a lie, I can't really say the same for the Doctor's past. Mmm... But I appreciate that they are kind of doing what Andrew Cartmel was trying to do in 1989 before the show was cancelled and give the Doctor a backstory. It's just a shame Series 13 might be delayed by the current COVID-19 situation. I still can't wait for the story to continue. Trenton continues, Still, many are unhappy and consider the show to be dead. Of course it isn't dead. If it is dead, you killed it for yourselves when you gave in to the hate. You can dislike it, but you don't need to go rant about it on Twitter. There isn't much point. Nice one. Boom, Trenton, boom. Boom. (laughs) Wholeheartedly agree, but if there wasn't ranting on Twitter, would it not just be a tumbleweed zone? (laughs) Anyway... In the end, I'll keep with the show. Doctor Who was what got me through the tough parts of life. When everything went wrong, the Doctor was there. And I wouldn't give that up. Plus, I've seen much worse. <laughs> this new stuff isn't so bad. Oh. He adds, happy 300th episode, Who Back When team. Hopefully, I'll return to Mini Review Land very soon. Got nothing better to do in quarantine. Thank you very much, Trenton. And uh, yeah, welcome back. People who are not Trenton, you can follow Trenton on Twitter. Trenton can be found at Trenton Bless. That's Bless with two what's now? I think it is it S's. Correct. Mm. Bing bong, future Leon here. We have two more listener minis, actually. These came in after the recording-ish. Let's put a pin in that. Uh, first off, we have Jim the Fish. <laughs> Jim, how you doing? Jim starts. By season 11, everyone agreed that Jody was good, but the writing was bad. By season 12, Jodie watched some previous episodes. Her character has been given more to do, and to me, she flopped. She still doesn't feel like the Doctor, and even in situations that require more of her, she didn't convince me. She really can't pull off anger or ambiguity, says Jim. She's devoid of everything, and next year will be her third? By their first episodes, I could basically point out what 9, 10, 11, and 12 were about. The thing that shocks me the most is that her companions still feel like cardboard cutouts. They've been in 20 episodes so far. Or cabs. <laughs> That's more than Martha, Donna, Jack, Bill, and Nardole. And we still haven't connected to them. A person can watch Jodie's premiere and then watch this series finale and the characters will largely stay the same. What a letdown. Jodie just comes across as an overenthusiastic primary school teacher. <laughs> Utterly uninteresting to watch. My mind doesn't accept her as the Doctor. I can understand that she is, but it's clearly just a farce. It's not that hard to watch Docs 1 to 12 as an unbroken continuity, but this era just doesn't work. The funny part is that the Doctor is, in theory, unable to be miscast. The gimmick of regeneration is to allow a new take on the character rather than going over the same ground constantly. The fact that she's managed to fuck it up is impressive, concludes Jim the Fish. Holy moly, tell us what you really think, Jim. Yeah, I mean, we already talked about this in in, uh, the review proper. I hear ya. And I think we all echo the sentiments concerning the companions to a certain degree. But yeah, 
Thank you very much, Jim the Fish. Uh, next up, although actually, and this is where that pin comes into play, first up, <laughs> we have Nerdimus Prime. Hello, Nerdimus Prime, who, in, in actual fact, sent in this mini before everyone else. So I'm very, very sorry that we didn't include it when we first recorded this episode a few weeks ago. Alas, it was labelled, uh, as Nerdimus Prime points out in his email, it was mislabeled 400th episode and not 300th episode, and thus, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't find this one, I'm really sorry. Right, now something that is really, really nice about this mini is that this is not a review of seasons 11 and 12, this is a review of 300 episodes of Who Back When, which is wonderful, so thank you so much for sending this in, Nerdimus Prime. Nerdimus Prime says... Hello, who back when? Tis I, Nerdimus Prime, your longtime listener, as in I found the podcast around the time The Edge of Discretion or The Daleks was posted. Obviously, this is the first time I have... No, wait, it isn't the first time I've posted. Many moons ago, I posted on the site that through the magic of comics, the fourth Doctor is connected to Transformers and that there is a Transformer who might just have a Dalek as an alternate mode. Nerdimus Prime, I remember this comment and I had a look on the website and I can't find it. So in case there's been some sort of technical blunder, get in touch. I'll try to unblunder it. Nerdimus Prime continues. Now to the rating. As I'm about to rate the podcast, dun dun dun, my rating is 4.0. Yes, unfortunately, I had to take a full point from the show for I joined you guys with Ponkin and Flapjack's little experiment back when you listed out every plot point and discussed them as you went along. I prefer reviews to go that route, and the roundtable discussion of the show in general after the Beastgow is not ideal for me, but that is just me. You keep doing you. I love that you are doing the project, so however you do it, I will be there to listen. Now a little something for you, Ponkin. Ooh. <laughs> Shamalama ding dong. Shamalama dangalang. Pip pip cha-chao. <laughs> Got to it first. <laughs> and as I always like to say, till all are fun. Okie dokie. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Thank you very much for sending this in, Nerdimus Prime. And thank you so much for listening since uh, very nearly the very, very beginning. And thanks for letting us know how you feel about the roundtable discussion formats. A few people have said this, but the thing is that the vast majority <laughs> have expressed their gratitude that we're no longer doing it plot point by plot point. And I think it's just kind of easier for us as well, because particularly after a couple of cocktails, our dialogue is not structured. <laughs> So the freeform conversation just kind of lends itself very well to that. But thank you for still sticking with us. We love trudging down this temporal road with you. Right, okie dokie, I think that's it for listener minis now. Let's get back to the show. Bing bong. So, I've prepared a bit of a State of the Union. You've heard bits of this rant before, but I feel like they need updating. Series of Doctor Who are like poems, sex, and monarchs. <laughs> In retrospect, it's not too awful if you get a bad one, or even hit a bad string of them. Because as long as you can look forward to another that's on the way, it's not so high stakes. You can keep it in perspective, then not too much later you can look back over a rich and varied history. And on reflection, it'll probably slot in somewhere in the middle. Hey all. Hey yeah. <laughs> nice pickup, Jim. <laughs> I've said it before, what this show doesn't have right now is momentum. It has Britbox, I suppose, which is a step forward in terms of making the classics accessible. But to look forward to late 2021 for a series 13 of another 10 episodes is a tremendous ask. I know I'll have the Daleks next new year, and I also know I should be patient, but I feel like it's not enough. 
To draw a parallel with another example of old and new, dear to my heart, it feels like we're into the late letters of the New Testament right now with Doctor Who, into the jumble of Timothys and Hebrews and Peters and Johns. There are some really vital points being made, but it's bitty. It's sometimes repeating itself, and it feels like the best days are behind us, and we're looking into an uncertain waiting period, mostly relying on an intangible spirit to keep our hopes alive. I'd be looking forward to Revelation, except that already aired in 1985. Instead, we're getting Revolution of the Daleks. Who knows when we're back into the guessing game which i've railed against before and which is 90 percent what being a fan of doctor who is now therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour says matthew 25 13 and like kyle i definitely will because i want to see where chibnall takes us next but boy do i want it sooner patience is a virtue drew yeah i like that that's a nice state of the union so we have an announcement to make Hitherto, this podcast has been, uh, it started in London, then it became a London slash Liverpool podcast, then it became an Oxford-based podcast, and it is about to become an international podcast. (laughs) How I hear you ask? Well, Marie and Jim, would you like to do the honours? We're going to Berlin. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're going to Berlin. We're going to Berlin! Even though we're really sad to see you go. Damn it. Hooray for you. not. It is staying a podcast. It is. With us on it. Absolutely. And hence the international focus. That's right. We will be uh, transmitting across the same content, but across the waters to your earballs. That's right. We're going to make it work. We're going to have microphones on either side of a Skype call and we're going to make this work. Woohoo! So fret not, there is tons more Who Back When coming to your earballs with the four of us. We've got plenty more Capaldi to get on with. You and I have about half of Tom Baker left before we We go into Doctor Number 5. And not only do we have established canonical Who, we also have an audiobook of our own coming out sometime this year. (gasps) Shut up. That's right. (laughs) Who Back When is coming out with one more Who Back When branded audiobook. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. Yep, none of us know anything about it apart from this guy. <laughs> I've told I've told one or two of you a little bit about it. I'm going to play a Northern Doctor. That's all I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how exciting! <laughs> Spoilers. Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have you back, Chris. <laughs> Glad you made peace with the show. Might not be the only Doctor appearing. Oh! Ooh, ooh. We shall see, we shall see. Mind blown. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. So, it tends to look forward to. I think, summa summarum, all that remains to be said in this episode is, holy moly, 300 episodes. And just shy of seven years. Oh. We did it, guys. <laughs> I think that deserves a round of applause. If oh. oh, yeah. Can someone, can someone pat me on the back, please, as well? Oh, that feels so good. <laughs> that is over 40 episodes a year. That is very nearly one a week for seven years. That's impressive. Very nearly. Very well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're pretty great. You were allowed time in hospital, dude. Yeah. As happened. Sure. And as may happen again. Let's yeah. hope not. Yeah. I mean, we've recorded a few episodes in advance. So we're, like, we're what, like three weeks ahead of ourselves, effectively. Yeah, this is the and 22nd of March now because it's just after midnight. Exactly. And, and it feels like the world's turned upside down in the last week. So you're going to be hearing it two, week, two or three weeks from now. Goodness knows what it's going to be. Yeah, like who there. knows? I mean, I, I hope that everyone out there is staying safe and healthy and that you're not going crazy amid all the chaos out there. You know, 
enjoy the apocalypse if you can. Tune into Who Back When, if nothing else. There's <laughs> a, a big back catalogue for you to uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much for being a lovely audience. Here's to, you know, at least 300 more. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I shouldn't have said that. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, we'll Come in now. <laughs> We're going to have to write a lot of audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> Make them 12 parters. <laughs> Please feel free to reach out to us uh, across the interwebs. Uh, we can be found online and, and various avenues. Marie, are you still doing the whole gram? Oh, no, not not right now. Okay, cool. <laughs> Maybe when you set up your new life in Berlin. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'll start yeah. gramming from the uh, from Germany. Yeah, where would people find you there? Or would I you mean, start a new one? I might, you know, I don't know. I'll let them know. Cool. Check out whobackwhen.com. <laughs> we'll post something there. Um, <laughs> Jim, are you on the old tweeters? Yes, I am. And we'll be remaining at Jimmy the Who. Jimmy the Who, you say? Oh my God, you've got such good hearing. Well ah, done. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Drew? I'm at Drew back when. Excellent branding. And I'm at Ponkin. But uh, when we hit episode 600, maybe I won't be anymore. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening. You've been a lovely audience. Until the next time, rock on. And cha-chao. Toodles. See ya. Be Bye. rad and excellent to each other in this time of need. <laughs> and... Auf Wiedersehen. Bye bye. (laughs) (laughs) Kablamo. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back Ah, greetings, human scum. I'm hiding in a cupboard. For the glory of the Sontaran Empire, from an army of doctors. As you may have heard, there is an almost limitless number of them now. Didn't lay a sonic on me. Now, we are assembled to listen to episode 300B of Who Back When, for the first time available to mass audiences in groundbreaking two ears. Look out for Leon's return to the Who Back When studio, Drew's return to a completely different studio, and his much-loved current impression of Who is this supposed to be anyway? This was the virus that changed everything. Excuse me. Please relax and enjoy the post-credit sequence. Bing bong. Welcome to the post-credit sequence, Podcast Land. The post-credits post-COVID sequence. (laughs) Oh, is it really post-COVID? We hope that it's post-COVID. That would be great if in the last half hour it had just cleared up. I mean, Trump said there would be a miracle. (laughs) Let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. People are already picking fights with us. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I doubt that we're going to be post-COVID, so I hope that everyone is staying safe. 
this little post-credit sequence is being recorded on the 28th of March, guerrilla style. Guerrilla, not gorilla style. Six days after the rest of the 300th was recorded. Exactly. Six days in which everything changed. Very much so. <laughs> We're now both in isolation in different parts of Oxfordshire, completely on our own. Yeah, this is the new reality. I know. This is a little glimpse into the next 300 episodes. <laughs> Well, he's hoping it's not going to take quite so long. But this is, if nothing else, proof of concept. We do have the facilities to record more episodes and we will continue doing so. Yeah, I hope this is good enough for you, Michael. Everything's changed, but everything is still the same. <laughs> but what we thought that we'd talk about today, and Drew, I think maybe you should introduce this because I didn't even know that this existed before you texted me about it. Well, I didn't know it existed until Kyle basically went on a retweet binge because I assume he's locked down as well. There's been a flurry of Doctor Who-based activity. First of all, I think Chibbers on the blog released a, a little piece of treasure prefacing Jodie's run. And then Jodie herself appeared in a cupboard. Yes. And then RTD prefaced Eccleston's run. All of which... I thoroughly enjoyed, I have to say. We'll include links to uh, all three items on, on the website, so you can find them and, and read them or watch them at your own leisure. So what do we have? If we start with Chibbers, Chibbers wrote a little short story, which is a prequel to The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Correct. Which effectively takes place between the point in time where the 13th Doctor shoots out of the TARDIS and seconds after she's crashed into the train. So this takes place largely in freefall. This is exactly the same context as The Whale in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Exactly, which is a wonderful reference for you to make because my very first note here is that it is a little Douglas Adamsy. And it's not just the fact that it's her inner monologue as she's falling. There are little tiny snippets of text in here. The fun fact about Fintel Borkstug and how it was named during a hiccup or post-hiccup pre-sickness and you don't know if that's actually the name and the anecdote about jumping around or bouncing around on flint or flint oh, I'm never going to be able to pronounce this you're going to have to hiccup and then cough <laughs> fintelbox tug exactly yeah nailed it that felt very Douglas Adamsy that felt very hitchhikery specifically yeah I can see how that works actually that makes me feel a little bit better about it because <laughs> it's very silly it is it's very silly and it's not simplistic exactly, but if you compare it to RTD's piece, which is florid and bristling with obvious writerly talent. Yes. <laughs> they are two entirely different levels and registers. They certainly are. I would also say that there's probably a slight discrepancy in style and in humour between the piece that Chibbers has written here and the subsequent season, as in the season that it is intended as a prequel to. Yeah. Do you think he's done that in some way? I mean, I don't know when he wrote this, but... I think he wrote it, like, now-ish. I think he wrote it very recently, and very likely this is, you know, everyone needs a pick-me-up. Yes. Right now, the world is in isolation and probably not feeling great about life and, and the future, necessarily. And also, this comes right after a season of Doctor Who has ended... So there's no regular Whovian content for people to lean on and rejoice in. Yeah, that was the... So I think he's done this as a little pick-me-up for all Whovians out there. Yeah, that is the theory I was groping towards. He realises that we need <laughs> someone to think about optimism and kindness and brilliance and come away just feeling a little bit regenerated, a little bit of extra energy. Exactly. 
But still, I already said it. I do love <laughs> RTDs. I know, me too. <laughs> and if we just segue directly to RTD's piece, I did feel, wow, I, I miss that guy. I really do miss that guy. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievably overwritten and yet so readable. <laughs> I don't know how he's done it. I mean, I've never read anything written down by him. Has he done textual media? Do you know? I don't know. I'm not sure. But I did, right before we pressed record here, I did have a look at some of the stuff that he's referring to. And I wonder if maybe he's been involved in that to some degree. Mm. I mean, he's clearly read hundreds of Target novels and documentaries <laughs> in general. So it could just be an amazing pastiche. But my goodness, I, I, I want to go back and read the whole thing. Uh, the only reference to RTD that I'm finding... So, so the two bits that I looked up on TARDIS Wiki, or rather that I found on TARDIS Wiki, were the Nightmare Child and the Deathsmiths of Goth. Yes. So Nightmare Child, first and only specimen of a new type of Dalek created by Davros during the first year of the last Great Time War. This is from a novel. This is from a novel called The Third Wise Man. And, and it wasn't written by him, it wasn't devised by him. However, there's a little behind-the-scenes bit where it says, according to the writer's tale, it was referred to as the Dalek Emperor's Nightmare Child in RTD's early script draft. Oh. Yeah. Of what? Of the end of time? No. What? I'm not entirely sure. The end of time? I would have thought it would have been Journey's End. That's where Davros appeared. Oh, sorry. There is actually also a reference to it in The End of Time. I'm reading this directly from TARDIS Wiki. Rassilon's plan to return Gallifrey to the universe would have allowed the Nightmare Child to come out of the Time War and into reality, in addition to similar horrors from the conflict. Oh, I see. And that ups the ante. Gotcha. Right. And End of Time written by RTD. The other thing as well, yeah. the Deathsmiths of Goth has been referenced in both a comic book and in a novel. Oh, sorry, in two novels even. The comic book is Black Legacy and the novels are A Brief History of Time Lords and Doctor Who and the Time War. I assume these novels were written by frustrated amateur musicians <laughs> who wanted to get a pub band going but couldn't quite, so they put it in their novel. Doctor Who and the Time War? Oh, that's the short That's the short story that we're talking about. Sorry. It's listed as a novel on TARDIS Wiki. That's why. Apologies. Oh, because, because RTD's conceit was this was the last page of that novel. That's what it is. You're right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which does explain why he's writing in such epic and just bombastic terms. He is referencing things that could have been set up over, you know, two to four hundred pages of prose, but which possibly he doesn't even know about himself yeah he's climaxing basically rtd yeah. has just written a money shot yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> anything else to say about that i mean how cool is it that this would have been a story comprising not just the time war but morbius and the daleks and some sort of strange dalek religion the yarvelling's church i looked that up doesn't seem to exist in whovian law so far and also a completely new doctor yeah it would have been cool i'm not going to criticize moffat's direction no, absolutely not. But this is very intriguing. Mm. I'm sure it will birth some alternate Hooniverse fan fiction. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Which I suppose this is what this ended up being just through happenstance. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that we forgot to mention was that Moffat got involved as the third showrunner when they had the watch-alongs. Oh, yes. They've been organising synchronised rewatches of, firstly, The Day of the Doctor, which is where Moffat came out of Twitter hibernation and live-tweeted along for everyone to enjoy as an extra data stream. And 
then rose later on, which must have coincided with RTD's re-emergence. And this sharing by all these showrunners does make me feel a lot better about being stuck on the internet. And it makes me feel like this is what the internet was... Sort of intended to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, two decades ago or three decades ago, this was the idealism to have a greater and higher dimensional sense of connection to creators and their creativity and everyone and not just be trolling horrible dystopian <laughs> nightmare beings. So that it really has made a difference to many people, I'm sure. I would have to second that. There's my friend across the county who agrees with me. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> Yeah, it is really nice. I mean, we already know that we're all in the same boat with all this. It also neatly concludes the train of thought I had so much trouble finishing in our main review, which is that Chibbers and the showrunners and the wider allies involved in the Doctor Who magazines, they're inducting new fans into far more than the sadly very intermittent TV series because there are tons of stuff to be doing in between. It's now very obvious to me. It's no wonder people love this show because you can join the fandom and... A fandom is ultimately what you make it. You can spend time complaining like I did pre-credits that we're not going to get series <laughs> until late 2021. Or you can engage and you can create. I mean, you can engage in the vast ocean of content that is already out there. Yeah. Yeah, or you can create your own. Yeah, and a fandom's like anything else. If nothing in the world is ever good enough for you, maybe it's you who aren't good enough for the world. And the same goes for this fandom. So... You know, I retract, I correct my previous remarks. Yeah, just get involved in everything else for a while. I agree. How nice was it, by the way, speaking of getting involved in Doctor Who content that isn't just the TV series, isn't it quite wonderful to see that RTD is making references to comic books and novels that <laughs> I've never explored them myself, but it's another, you know, the people who are behind the TV show that we love, they take part in all of this. Yeah. They read up on it. They bask in the glory of all these different forms of media. Yeah, they are super fans. It's clear that they're, they're, they're more yeah. than super fans. They are the mega fans that got lucky. <laughs> exactly. And, and that also... That feels quite nice and cosy in a way as well. It provides some continuity between us and them. And maybe maybe I can forgive some of their less good decisions. Yeah, it's some added ground or added common ground. It's nice to see that they're not just these gods of the BBC. They're just nerds like us yeah. to some extent. So we're trying their best with limited budget. Yeah. <laughs> Right, shall we jump to the third item on this list? Yeah, speaking of limited budgets. <laughs> so I'll have embedded this on the, the website as well. This is Jodie Whittaker talking from inside a cupboard as the 13th Doctor in quarantine, in isolation, slash hiding from an army of Sontarans and giving everyone a little bit of hope. Yeah, well, I thought it was tremendously charming. I agree, yeah. And it made me actually really want an episode to be shot through the eyes of a companion. Oh. So that you don't see the companion. You are the companion. The Doctor's constantly talking to you and you're running off into peril. I mean, I don't know how the Doctor would do things without you, but I'm sure they could figure that one out. Oh, I like it. I think the closest thing that we get at the moment or that we have at our, not quite at our disposal, but that is available is the Doctor Who video game. Right, yeah. With the 13th Doctor. It would seem quite a lot like a video game, yeah. Which I'm super curious about, by the way. But yeah, anyway, lovely. Really, really lovely. It's a, it's a minute and a half of footage of Jodie Whittaker in a cupboard, and it couldn't be more charming. Yeah, and she's being incredibly genuine, 
and I, I think the message is is on point throughout. Yeah. It's strange, though, to see the divide in the Twitter reaction. Oh, I haven't seen what the reactions were. What are people saying? Yeah, there are people like us who are like, what a truly heartwarming thing to do, and love this, never watched Doctor Who in my life. Maybe it's time to start. Oh. And on we go, and um, this is the loveliest thing, thanks to everyone involved. And then there are the messages like, um, here's a link to my video about having to wait 18 months for the next series, hashtag RIP Doctor Who, which is when I thought, oh dear, I'd, oh no. I'd better shape up because we don't need a man. <laughs> And yeah, all these horrible people with their horrible hashtags saying just just an excuse to trot out their same old bollocks, which I'm not going to repeat. Yeah, good call. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you, Jodie Whittaker. This this was a it was a real treat. Yeah, I mean that's a little bit of the Thirteenth Doctor in between seasons that we just got. People are complaining that they're not going to see the Thirteenth Doctor or the Doctor in general until Christmas. They just did. They just had a chance. Yeah. And I feel like shorn of all the politics and the appurtenances of the series, it just felt like a really pure interaction. I know it's you and her in a tiny cupboard, so of course that helps you feel like that. But even apart from that context, there's something so sincere about it. Yeah. Told my loads. That just about wraps it up, I think. Goodbye again. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye again. Stay safe. Stay indoors. Rock on and be excellent to each other from two metres or more away. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>